Bring on the automated cars and sex bots. My body is ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, do you still want to do like a separate pre-recorded intro or do you want to just go live and just do one? Doesn't matter. Make it one big audio yeah. chunk. With we could um, we could try it out. Yeah. And then you could do it separately and cool. see which one we want. Or I could just do it now. And just I could say, you are now listening to the RF Generation Playcast, the place where Single Banana and I, Gregos81, discuss the monthly playthrough games chosen by us and played by a community of gamers on RFGeneration.com and social media platforms like Twitter. How do you like that? Off that the top good. of my head, I usually read it. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm really impressed. <laughs> I've done it so many times. So it is a 62. 62. Uh, game of the month is going to be Detroit Become Human, but screw all that for now. We got a very special situation going on yeah, here, yeah. right? That's right. So, dude, I mean, this is kind of self-explanatory. We're here in the same room together for the first time. We've been podcasting together for, what, seven years now? Six or seven years. Yeah, it's crazy, so yeah. Finally met in person. Here we are. And uh, this is the show. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. So, welcome to the ghost house, as I'm now dubbing it. <laughs> <The> ghost house. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, we're recording bright and early. Well, not too early. Not as early as you've been up. But, uh, 
Yeah, I had a late night last night. We got in pretty late from the rodeo. You're in Texas. You got to go to the rodeo. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy. I've never been to one. This is going to sound weird, but you know me. And I wonder about like the treatment of animals in a rodeo. Ah, like, the, the horses true, going true. nuts I, and I the cows getting that. Uh, yeah. corralled and everything. I'm relatively sure my wife wouldn't enjoy that, and yeah. I, I wonder if I would kind of bristle against it. But tell me about it. I'm, yeah, I have you, an open you mind. You might. With the, like the, the calf here. roping and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you might. Probably our favorite part of the rodeo was the mutton busting. You know about mutton busting? <laughs> no, I don't. All right. So mutton busting. Uh, mutton, of course, uh, sheep. And so what they do is they get kids to ride the sheep like bulls okay. to see how long they can stay oh, on. So no one's hurt in this. Right, right. Uh, they shear the sheep and they leave like a part like kind of around the neck where the kids can have just a little something to hold on to but man they're only on there for about like two or three seconds before they get uh, oh, you know wow. bucked off but it's a lot of fun there are kids um as young as five years old out there doing it okay so yeah all right it was a lot of fun so some of that's neat the kid stuff's cool the bull riding was you know it's pretty neat but yeah, maybe the calf roping, uh, it's a little rough. And I didn't think about that when I was talking to you about going to the rodeo. So, But uh, it was a really neat time. It's cool. It was a cool area right above uh, San Antonio. It's called uh, Tejas Rodeo. Go out there. It's just like this kind of big event. They have a big steakhouse out there. And drinks, of course, and food. And live music and dancing after it's all over. So it was a cool experience. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what else? You've been here for, what, four or five days now? What else have you been doing? Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, some cool pictures. and Yeah, uh, yeah. One part of your trip so far is going to get saved for the concert cast. Right, exactly. But, uh, I wanted to save that. But uh, we hit this place called Jacob's Well, which is just south of here. It's not very far from uh, your house, actually. Uh, it's in Wimberley. Okay. And... Um, it's a rock formation and a, a deep well that goes down like over a mile straight down. Oh, uh, yes. It's I like have heard of this. Yeah. I've never been there, but I have heard of this. It's kind of neat. It's a lot smaller than I thought it would be. And uh, we got out there, and the water's always uh, tepid 68 degrees. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was that kind of thing where I stood around for a while. My wife's like, are you going to jump off those rocks? I'm like you know what? I'm here. I have to do it. Right. Nice. So nice. yeah. So definitely got some pictures of me jumping off those rocks and, uh, that was really fun. We stayed downtown San Antonio across from the Alamo or right beside the Alamo. And, Very cool. uh, did you see the basement? <laughs> <laughs> I did have that picture. Uh, sent my friends some pictures of me in front of the Alamo, yeah. and, like a goofball. <laughs> and, uh, they sent gifs of peewee. Like, really yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Did the river walk and everything. And, um, man, that second day there, the first kind of full day in San Antonio, we must have walked seven or eight miles that day. We just killed it. Awesome. We, yeah, got a lot of good exercise while I was here, so that's good. Getting the old, getting the old weight down. And as I told you uh, a few minutes ago, <laughs> my goal was to get below 200 before I got here. And I was at 201 the morning. I came over and weighed in. So I'm not disappointed with that. I'm happy with it. So, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. for you. And uh, you look great. So. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. But what about uh, anything cool in Austin? You know, we were only here for um, the evening. We got in kind of late. So I haven't gotten to check out Austin 
a lot yet. So okay. I'm hoping to do that in the next few days. And uh, I've got something really cool planned for tomorrow, man. You're going to have to ditch out on work and go with me. Oh, but, sure. Uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was uh, just riding around last night and I was thinking, I was like, hmm. I had read something about the house from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre being moved. And apparently that's only like an hour from here. The house itself? Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that has been moved around. And also you might want to look up the... uh I don't know how you would feel about this, but the graveyard from the beginning of the movie is oh, in Leander, yeah. which is about a 20-minute drive from oh, here. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. But uh, they've turned the house, actually. They've restored it. They moved it. It's part of a hotel now, but um, uh, I think some entrepreneurs or something from Austin actually bought it, moved it out to Kingsland. And um, they completely refurbished it and everything that still has all the same molding and everything. They turned it into a breakfast uh, lunch place. So I think I might get dinner nice. there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm hoping it has a cool menu, you know, yeah. <laughs> like themed menu. <laughs> Leatherface pancakes, yeah. or, you know, something like that would be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I may do that tomorrow. Depends on kind of what's on the schedule. My wife's in classes for the next two days, so I've got kind of free range and um, oh, okay. can't wait to drive around. And I gotta say, man, like the driving in Austin has been incredible. People here are incredibly friendly and good drivers. Really? Wow. Okay. You think so? I think the exact opposite. But I, I commute every day, so okay. I actually think Austin is home to the world's worst drivers, <laughs> uh, besides me, of course. Uh, yeah, but I will say the first time I came here on vacation, I had a lot of courteous yeah. other drivers. That was a long time ago, but I was I did get like let out of alleys, uh, making a left turn where I thought yeah, I'll never get out of here. Yeah, like yeah. things like that were happening a lot. Yeah. So I'm glad you find it, you know, that they are courteous, but uh, there's some really idiotic <laughs> stuff on the roads, like on a daily basis. So, yeah, well, I'm sure there is, you know, and it's funny. I was talking to my wife about that. We were driving in last night. It's like, and everyone is so great around here to drive. And then of course, like a minute after I say that some jackass cuts me off, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flies in front of me to make an exit. So, yeah. Well, as long as you understand the whole, like, access road, the frontage road things, uh-huh. we don't have those in New Jersey. You just yeah. get off the highway and you're on a side street. Mm-hmm. But here we have, uh, they call them feeders or frontage roads or access roads or whatever, mm-hmm. which run parallel to the highways. And that's how you get on and off of the highway. Here is the only place I've ever seen that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's an exclusively Texas thing. You don't have those where you live, no, right? No, no. So, yeah, huh. that's a unique thing here, I guess. Yeah, what's cool is um, as I was driving down the frontage road to get on 35, I noticed some artwork to my right-hand side on one of the buildings. It was like kind of very... Texas artwork. You've probably seen it as you're pulling from out from downtown. Sure, there's a lot of it. Every, yeah, it's yeah, right before you place. get on the ramp to 35 out there. Um, and I've passed it a few times, but I saw it and actually a guy I went to high school with painted it. Oh, cool. I think I've mentioned him before. He does Austin Beer Works, all the cans oh, yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. on there. He did all that. He's a graphic designer. So I saw that and I was like, oh, I remember sending in this portfolio. That's really cool, you know. So a little bit of my home to here, you know. It's kind nice. of neat. You just reminded me, too. You said you were staying up near the campus. You're going to have to go, if you haven't already, and see the Daniel Johnston mural. Oh, okay. That should be within walking distance of wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
just look it up. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm staying in a really plush place downtown. It's all paid for by my wife's work. Yeah, that's awesome. The conference, so. <laughs> that's very but cool. we've stayed at uh, some really nice places. I found some really good deals online and um, been happy with everything. It's just been a really cool experience. I'm not looking forward to going home at all to be around my kids. So. Nah, nice. <laughs> What else? What do you got? Well, I guess we got to move into the concert cast, right? What do you think? That's fine with me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't think we had any mistakes our a-hole friends pointed out this month. Well, there was one thing. I mean, so we talked about three new consoles potentially oh, sure. coming out. Mm-hmm. And I think this, again, it's one of these, like, we just worded it wrong, like, kind of carelessly when we said three consoles had been announced. And sure. in reality, only one had been announced. That's and true. the other two mm-hmm. were, one was kind of a soft explanation of specs that were coming from the PlayStation. And for the Switch, they were just rumors. So we yeah. got called out on that. So thanks, Crabmaster. Yeah. yeah thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's it for mistakes. Yeah. Otherwise, we haven't made any. Yeah. I think we just kind of got excited because it was funny because all three companies were doing something kind of at the same time. You know? Yeah, it so. did all happen kind of at once. Yeah. And it's about that, you know, that's how the cycle works. It's about yeah. that time we start thinking, I hate it, though. Like, I could have had a PlayStation 3 forever. I, d- I didn't even need the PlayStation 4, let alone PlayStation 5 and yeah. 6 and 7. Uh, stop. There's only so much money, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, even though there's only so much money, they seem to find a way to get it out of us all the time, don't they? It's true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, thanks for pointing that out, guys. We appreciate it. And just a little misstep there. No big deal. No harm, no foul. Nope. All right. So, concert cast. You got a good one. Take it away, man. Yeah, man. Uh, So, I told you, like, the first night that we were in Austin, flew into Austin, but the next day we immediately got and went to San Antonio. But that first night went out and celebrated our anniversary because it was the day of our anniversary on the uh, 29th. I better get that right. <laughs> and um, we went out to see Judas Priest and Uriah Heat. It was a great, great show. What was that second one? Uriah Heat? Uriah Heat. Oh, Uriah yeah. Heap. Okay. Yeah. I've heard, yeah. I've heard of them. Absolutely. Are they like heavy metal hard rock? Yeah, okay. yeah, hard rock as well. They were fantastic. I was really surprised. I haven't listened to a lot of their music. I have maybe one of their albums I've listened to, and it was kind of on the softer side, but they really, really rocked it out. Priest was good. Venue was awesome. Austin City Limits was great. And we had incredible seats. It's like anywhere you sat, you felt like you were right next to them, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and it was the Moody Theater. I don't. I guess you've been okay. there, right? I did go see a, a speaking event at one of the Austin City Limits mm-hmm. Theater. And I can't remember if it was Moody or a different one. Yes, yeah, so it's Willie Nelson Boulevard. A, I think that's the one okay. I was at. Okay. Um, and yeah. by your pictures, it looked like that was the one I had been to. So, yeah. yeah and if that is, that, that was a very nice venue. Yeah, it was. We were really impressed. And, um, you know, everything was nice. Um not the ideal place for a metal show, though, let me say. Yeah, because there's contained. no floor. Like, it's all seated, right? Well, they, they did have a floor. Oh, okay. So area. they must have removed some of the, like, seats in the I front. I assume they did. Yeah. Now, we were up in the balcony. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife cannot handle no, no being on pit. the floor. <laughs> well, it's a little bit claustrophobic. And okay, just, yeah, you know, I feel that. Yeah, so feel that. Um, we went to a Bob Dylan show one time in downtown Charlotte. And um, we were just kind of in a crowd, and it didn't feel very compact to me. And she's like, 
I need to go. She's like, I'm having trouble catching my breath. I need to go out. I was like, okay. I was like, you think your friend can take you out so I can still stay here and watch Bob Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened. Nice. <laughs> I think that was the first time I'd seen Bob Dylan and he's like one of my idols. But anyway, as far as the show was concerned, metal shows are excessively loud and being indoors, it was too loud. Okay. Uh, you're right. Heap was fine. But Judas Priest, you know, um, Halford screams at the top of his lungs and busted our ears. I mean, my ears were hurting. Wow. You know, note to self, should have brought earplugs. earplugs. Yeah. But my ears were fine that night. No ringing or anything like that. My wife's ears just stopped ringing last night. Yeah, I believe it. For the past, like, I don't know, three or four years, or actually since I've been living here going to a lot of shows, I wear earplugs to every show now because I'm quite frankly worried about my hearing sometimes because I do hear that, like, dull ringing when Mm -hmm. there's silence and uh, it can be scary. They say that you can't, like, regenerate that sense once yeah. it gets damaged. So i got to be careful uh, yeah. with that kind of stuff. Yeah, one of my good friends, actually, the guy that does the music for our show, he has, um, what's it called, tinnitus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, he always has a constant ringing in his ears. I can't imagine what that's like. Oh, He's yeah. a musician, too, so, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, like, part of... Uh, being in a band back in the day when I was a kid too and just rehearsing in a small like a room this size with yeah, a yeah, drum yeah. set and, all, and of course when you're a kid you turn everything up as loud as it'll go yeah. and make as much noise as you possibly can so then now I'm going to pay for it so <laughs> uh, well, just getting back to the concert really quick. It was a good show. Priest um, has a new album, Firepower, which is really, really good. It's amazing. These guys are still putting it out there it's like good. they are. I actually listened to that album, believe it or not. Yeah. When I was that Whatever year that came out last year, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Or, uh, it was on so many lists, top yeah. 10 lists, that I had to check it out. And it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing that they're still doing it now. Alfred has kind of taken a step back. I mean, he, he looks like a, kind of like a little old man going yeah, around stage. Yeah. But he can still melt it out. I don't know what his health is like, but he seems like a really nice guy. He loves the fans, and it was cool. I played a lot of Firepower, played some classics, but then um, at the end of it, you know, they finished with sort of a uh, encore of three of their biggest hits. And uh, it was okay. It felt a little contrived. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it felt like they just kind of mashed it. Here, let's get this over with and just get it played. You know what I mean? So... I don't know. Maybe it wasn't supposed to come off that way, but it kind of did to me. And these are like classic priest songs that I would love to hear in their entirety, you know, mm-hmm. and in a manner that was a little more serious, you know, okay. than, you know, it was kind of soft handed. One of the best treatments of that I ever saw was when I saw Gary Newman a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. He played cars right in the middle of his set. Mm-hmm. Like, just kind of out of nowhere, cars, and just got it over with. Right, right. So when he encored, he was encoring right. with all different shit and not just playing cars as his last song. Right, And I right. thought that was really smart and just a, a good choice. Yeah. My wife and I, uh, several years ago when we were in college, went to um, the beach in South Carolina, and there was like a comedy club, and Modern English was playing there. And they played, I guess, like two or three songs into their set. Stop the world. No, yeah. with you. Right? right, right. And then, like, after playing like four or five more songs, they said, All right, here it is again for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like a wow. second time. <laughs> That's 
that's, that's another way you can do it too, yeah, right? No, that's that's great. That's really. It's a great memory now, though. It's yeah. like we can always have that. Huh. <laughs> but that was it, man. We had a really good time, and, and really glad we went to the show and had a nice dinner out that night too. Where'd you eat at? Uh, a place called the Roaring Fork. Okay, now you mentioned this. I think I've heard of it, but yeah. I've never been there. I think so. there's two locations around town, uh, but it's close to um, close to Sixth Street as well. We went out to Sixth Street and had a drink at a honky tonk. Okay, a place cool. called Friends, and listened to some live music right before uh, you know dinner. So it was it was really cool. Had a few um, uh, Austin Brewing Company beers. Very good. Yeah, they were really good. Cool, tasty beers. Make sure you try uh, Austin East Ciders while you're here. It's a okay. hard cider, and okay. when I was a drinker, I, the, that was one of my drinks of choice. They're cool. very good. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, have you had a chance to see the bats yet? The no, bat bridge. No, no, no. Okay. Make Not sure yet. you, you got to make sure you. I do think that. we're going to try to do that. Um, see, maybe tomorrow night. Tomorrow is our last night. We're very excited. Oh, about yeah, that. That my wife nice is really that. excited about that. Send it off. Cool. Yeah. All right. So my concert cast. I got tickets to see Caro Caro Bonito again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so right. I'm going, they're coming back to Austin in November, and they're actually going to play at the Mohawk. Nice. So when I saw them last, uh, I went with my wife to the Barracuda, which is a different club. Also a great club, but it's not the Mohawk. You know, the yeah, Mohawk, yeah. as said many, many times, is my favorite venue by far in this entire city. As far as places I've been, I haven't been to every single bar in the city but i love the mohawk so caro caro bonito is coming back and i actually have a physical ticket for that it wasn't just uh printed out they gave you the option to mail you a ticket so i will oh, have a ticket stub for nice that, i love that yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pay for the shipping i don't yeah care. exactly i can have a ticket yeah nice little souvenir <laughs> uh so the other thing i got tickets for is something that I've been wanting to talk about on the show. And I always have had this person in the back of my mind and in my back pocket for when I was stalled for a topic. And I almost came close to (laughs) talking about this person last time because I was stalled for a topic when I started talking about how I listened to Van Halen to hype myself up before the podcast. You remember that last month? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, so... I've had this person in the back of my mind, and I got to tell you, this is a person who's been like an internet meme and shot up to stardom for all the wrong reasons. Okay. And she now has become like a personal hero of mine. Okay. And it's so weird living in this city because I say things like, well... I've seen all the bands I've ever wanted to see. I thought I, you were building up for Rick Astley. No, no. <laughs> not quite. He played he actually played here like last year. <laughs> but I didn't go to that. So like after we saw Saves the Day, yeah. I was saying on the show, I don't know who else I would want to see. God bless America. I've seen every band I ever want to see living in this city. Yeah. But then who should pop up on the on the radar? A personal hero of mine. You know her and love her from the internet meme song, Friday, it's Rebecca Black. Okay. So I'm going to see Rebecca Black. (laughs) She's opening for this band called Man Man. You might know of them. I've heard the name. So they're like like an indie rock band. They kind of sound like the band Islands, if you know them. Yes, I do. So it's Rebecca Black with Man Man. I had never heard of Man Man, but when I saw Rebecca Black, I said instant, like instant purchase of tickets. Okay. Because she went from 
putting up this song Friday. You know, everybody knows Friday, Friday. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, so she made this song when she was 13 years old. Okay. Just wanted to do something fun. She thought she'd have something cool to send to her grandmother. All of a sudden, the video goes viral, and some people love it, but a lot of people hate it. So when a 13-year-old girl makes a song and puts it up on the internet and you don't like the song, what are you supposed to do? You send her death threats, right? Right, of course. No. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so this poor it's girl, she rockets up to internet stardom. And, you know, she had to experience the good and the bad of that. Mm. And basically what it came down to, this was back in 2011. Now she's 21, 22 years old. She learned to sing. She's a phenomenal performer, just mm. a, a lovely person, totally wholesome and positive. You know, all the kind of stuff I love about life and just being a positive person, you know? Mm -hmm. She even has these funny YouTube videos where she does, like, does her makeup and she's singing and dancing and recommending music. It's all very cute and wholesome. So that's what happens when you say, well, I've seen everything I want to see. And then something like there that pops is, up. Yeah, so I'm going to see Rebecca up. Black. And uh, I hope we can get some of her newer music into this episode because, okay. like I said, her new stuff, she put out an EP a couple of years ago called Rebel, like R-E-B-L. Yeah. Like for Rebecca Black, but Rebel kind yeah, of thing, yeah. playing words. And it's really good, but it's only five songs long. I'm really hoping that she will announce a full-length album soon. And being on tour, she does have one new song that's really good, but I want a full-length Rebecca Black album. So hopefully that will come soon. Awesome. So that's my concert cast. That's my news. And I can't wait to report back on that show because I'm psyched to see her. All right. Well, speaking of concert cast, I've got a gift for you. So I'm going to just okay. go ahead and do this live, man. And by the awesome. packaging, I'm sure you can tell what it is. I'm going to wow. need this back so I can travel with it. So, uh, so, so what's yeah. wild about this, if this is what I think it is, I don't have anything to play. Yeah. I don't have a turntable. I know you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forcing your hand here. All right. All right. But I think you'll like this. You mentioned it on the show. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I thought it would look wow. nice on your shelf at least because I, I saw it the other day uh, when I was at my honey hole shop you know nice um and i thought man you gotta have it so you gotta tell everybody yeah what it so is. for our listeners this is a vinyl copy of bad moon rising by sonic youth and uh as our listeners know and our twitter followers know the sonic youth album evol is the only other vinyl that i own <laughs> So I can add this to my now growing uh, vinyl it's collection. Two things, <laughs> right? Right. So very cool. Thank yeah, you very much, yeah, man. man. This is beautiful. Yeah, I, I never run across Sonic Youth records, and so it's kind of just that thing. I was like, well, oh, it's right here. I got to get it. You know, I, mean, I know you mentioned it on the call as three of the early albums that you really like. So. Um, so I'm not I'm not a vinyl collector and I will not become one. But when I was a kid, my dad had a record player and he yeah. had a record collection. And the one thing I will give you guys, you vinyl heads and and music collectors, is that there's a beauty in this artwork. That's yeah. you know it's it's eleven by eleven or what you probably know what the exact size is of a vinyl <laughs> cover, but like. There's a detail and a level of beauty, like this picture that was taken in the twilight and the flames and the city in the background. 
that you can't get this on a one-inch thumbnail on your iPod. Sure. You, you won't see any of this. This is just... Or even on a cassette. Even you know, a cassette I mean, or a, even a CD. Like, this This is just gorgeous. This is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I think as much as I like listening to the music, and I know a lot of people who listen to vinyl have the argument, oh, it sounds better and that sort of thing. That's not really the argument I have. I think it's more for me. It's the aesthetic appeal. Yeah, of it. I see um, some of the albums are even gate folded, so you can open them up. I'm really an artistic stuff. I mean, even like a lot of things I collect, like pinball machines. A lot of it has a lot to do with the artwork. Now, the gameplay on the games I usually get is good too, but it's so much about owning a piece of art. I love art, and so um, you know, it's kind of a nice thing to pass along to my kids. You know, they love vinyl as well, and really appreciate it for what it is so it's a big part of it so yeah man glad you like it yeah yeah give me that box, box back, back. I the, yeah i need my box back <laughs> as i told you uh i went to half price books yesterday in san antonio first half price books i've ever gone in okay uh, a lot of our friends always talk about that it's a cool place to you know pick up games and stuff and uh, I found a uh, Kumo D vinyl and I was really <laughs> happy about that so uh, I've only found the single of that album back home so I was really pumped to get some like old school rap you know awesome cool well thanks again yeah uh, absolutely alright well I guess that does that conclude the concert cast yeah All sure right. wrap it up Because of our game that's coming up, Detroit Become Human, and our listeners will know, I'm extremely fascinated with the future science of AI, and I'm also very much a fan of speculative fiction. We, we did a whole segment of it a couple months ago. Uh, we talked about things like Black Mirror and the works of Margaret Atwood and, and all these other kind of... Fringes of science fiction. RoboCop. Right. RoboCop, Terminator. 
all those things. So I recommended strongly to you, Rich, that we review a movie called Ex Machina Mm -hmm. for the show because I thought it really related to not only the game Detroit Become Human, it kind of dovetails with a lot of the themes of that game, but also just in the milieu of what we like to talk about anyway, I said, man, you'll love this movie. Like, we got to watch it. Uh, it's the right time to check it out and discuss it. Yeah. Well, let me just say, you said that very diplomatically right now. That wasn't how the text back and forth between us went. Because yeah. I was like, all right, I got to watch Ninja Scroll before I watch this. Because we have to talk about Ninja Scroll. We've been building up. Still haven't watched Ninja Scroll. Uh, so we can't talk about it today. But you said me she was like, I was like, I got to watch Ninja Scroll first because I've been promising the listeners that we would get into that. And I listened back to our past show and I did not say that we will talk about it the next month. Okay. I said we will talk about it in the future. So we're no all corrections necessary. No corrections necessary there. <laughs> and um, you sent me this message, very diplomatic. I really think you need to watch Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know. Listen, you and I, we've been friends for a long time, and sure. we have had some really nasty arguments. Let's just face it. Oh, If you remember years ago, we've, <laughs> we've gotten really nasty with each other. And over text, it's hard to tell. You sure. can't... People say that, you you know, don't be sarcastic in text because it doesn't come across. And then, of right. course, any kind of other strong emotion, if you're not using, you know, foul language, sometimes yeah. it doesn't come across. So, right, right, right. Um I just wanted to be careful because I didn't want to say, listen, look, yeah, come on, dude. Like I'm right. And you're not seeing what I'm seeing. So anyway, you watch the movie and I, I saw the, like last year and it left a very strong impression on me, but I also rewatched it the other night. And this movie is so good that I watched it on a, like a Tuesday night, Thinking, I'm just going to watch like the first hour and watch the rest of it tomorrow. You can't do that. Of course, I turned it on. It's like you're not turning this movie off and coming back to it. So, I faintly remember the movie when it came out, but there wasn't a lot of hype around it. I never knew that this movie was going to be as good as it was. I'm I'm really happy you twisted my arm, so to speak, into watching it. (laughs) It was fantastic. I, I really, really liked it. I don't want to go into spoilers for this okay. because, of course, you know, we didn't ask everyone to watch the movie before we talk about it. But um, there's definitely a bit of a twist in it that viewers will uh, be exposed to. So, yeah, it was really good. It had a lot of the things I really liked. You know, you and I talk back and forth about AI and, you know, very skeptical about the future and uh, go team robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, um, very, very cool. And, um, very thought-provoking, which is what I really, really enjoy in a movie. And um, very well done. Beautiful film, too. Wow. Yeah, it's shot beautifully, and it's set in this rich inventor's kind of <laughs> compound. And the architecture is very lovely and imaginative. And the acting is really well done, oh, yeah. too. The the young lady whose name I forget, who plays like the main android, she was in that mm-hmm. um was she not in that Terminator TV show as well? She was in something. She was I'm in some sure. kind of TV show where she also did a really good job, but very convincing as a robot, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole point of the movie is that this inventor guy brings one of his employees to his compound to run a Turing test, which is sure. when you 
don't realize that you're interacting with an AI, but they kind of turn it on its head and they approach the Turing test from a different perspective. Sure. I won't elaborate too much. You should just see the movie. It's one of those movies that however long it is, an hour and 45 minutes or whatever, it feels like it's 10 minutes long. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, such, it's yeah. just one of those movies yeah, that's just immersed. like, like I said, I couldn't pause it 45 minutes in to stop watching it. I had to just go through the whole thing. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, great work of speculative fiction. It's almost like it fits right in with Black Mirror. It could have been an episode Absolutely. of Black Mirror. Sure. You know what I mean? So uh, great flick. Yeah. Now I threw something else on the notes here that... I didn't tell you about it, but I'll recommend it to you right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a novel called The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. The author is Roger Williams. So this is a, it's a novel that came up when I first went down the rabbit hole of AI singularity and what that is and what it would entail. And I was looking for works of fiction that addressed it. And this novel came up highly recommended. The cool thing about this novel is that the author makes it available for free digitally. You can actually just search it and you can find it, put it on whatever device you want to read it on. And you can kick them a tip or whatever. And also there are physical copies available on Amazon if you actually want to buy it. Nice. So anyway, this novel is about a computer being invented that the creator of this computer triggers the singularity mm. and it's what it would be like and it kind of takes in all these theories of what will actually happen in an AI singularity as kind of illustrated by people like Ray Kurzweil who I've mentioned many times about how the intelligence will just replicate it itself and build more units of itself, clone itself and multiply and generally just take over the universe. Mm. So <laughs> I will say to our listeners who might be interested in this book, I have to issue pretty much every trigger warning you can think of, including animal cruelty. Oh, so there's sex, violence, rape, incest, animal cruelty, like anything you can think of is in this book, yeah. which is kind of wild. But if you can stomach it, it's one of the coolest novels I've ever read. And I highly recommend it for anybody who's curious about, you know, what the hell I've been talking about for the past couple of months about the singularity <laughs> and AI in general. But uh, I think you would enjoy this book. It's a very short read, too. It's, it's only about 150, 170 pages, like not very long at all. If, like Ex Machina, the film, this book just flows like you won't want to put it down. I'm going to have to find that while we're out today and uh, uh, yeah, know, have uh, something for the plane uh, on the way back. So that'd be great. My yeah. wife's already picked up a pile of trashy romance novels. So I need ah, something cool. to uh, cleanse my palate from that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, we can move on into news. I don't have anything. Do you, uh, do no, you have any news no items? News. No news okay. at all. No news is good news. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, nothing to screw up. We don't have any news. So that's, <laughs> that's right. That's really good. Well, I heard uh, Reggie fils is going back to Nintendo, and okay. they're going to shut down Nintendo. Okay. And Nintendo is only going to... Um, they're going to go back to making playing Plane cards. cards. Yeah, and yeah. And like the Mr. Hand toy. <laughs> like, that's going back into production. <laughs> so Nice. <laughs> I only have one pickup. And that is that I bought a copy of Civilization VI 
for the Nintendo Switch. Mm, nice. Our buddy Bill from the Collector Cast is going to be very happy to hear this. He's a big Civ guy. Oh, cool. You know who else is going to be happy to hear this? Buried on Mars Kevin, because he <laughs> loves it when people play games that are designed for the PC on consoles. Oh, He's that's a true. big fan of big that. Fan of that. I did get a little remark on Twitter for right, something I picked so, up this month. Yeah. Uh, I know he would approve of this purchase. <laughs> I got my new setup here that yeah. I talked about last month, and the gears have slowed down as far as me just blowing money wantonly on anything <laughs> that, that impeaks my You'll interest. You'll finally call up with him, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. So um, that's all I got right now. I just grabbed that Civ 6. I had it. I was watching it on Amazon for a long time, and finally the price dropped enough yeah. that I wanted to get it. Very nice. How long have you been playing Civ games? Is it something you played, you know, younger? Or? Yes, I played Civ 1 when I was younger on the PC. I have a lot of great memories of playing that, you know, with my dad and, mm. you know, just going all hours of the night playing yeah. Civ 1. But then I didn't stay with the series because I'm not a, not really a PC gamer. Yeah. But then when Civilization Revolution came out for the 360 mm. and my wife bought it for me, I spent entire weekends playing that game to the point where she was like, was it a mistake to buy this game for you? Like, you need to take a break. Like, it been like my wife it was, buying World of Warcraft. Yeah, it was, it was like that, dude. It was a real obsession yeah. and I had to really be careful. So I've really only played Civ 1 and Civilization Revolution 1 and 2. So Civ 6 might actually be a little bit advanced for me, a little over my head, but... You know, playing a console version, I'm sure it's a little dumbed down. So I, I think I'll I'll enjoy it. It, cool. it reviewed very well, even on the Switch version. Good, so. man. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm going to talk about my pickups. I'm going to start out with something. Um, I think I posted it on social media the other day, something I picked up. It's not a game, but it's a DVD. It's one I've been looking for forever. Our listeners know I'm big into horror films. And so... There's this film from my youth that I had in the back of my head, and I, I, I just have to have it. It's a movie called Alligator from 1980. <laughs> okay. And so I'm out at my usual honey hole place, and, you know, they have all their horror DVDs in one spot, and I usually look through those maybe once a month because they always have this, like, new releases shelf. And so I go there a few times a week because... You know, they're just cycling through inventory, so you never know what's going to show up because people trade in stuff. And so they have this new release slot where the horror films are, and there was a copy of Alligator. And I had to look at the back to make sure, oh, is this the same one? Oh, yeah, it is. You know, I read the description. Basically, this family owns this pet alligator. It's too hard to handle, so they flush it down the toilet. It goes into the sewers. People have been doing experiments on rats and things like that. These genetic experiments of the alligators eating all these genetically modified animals. Sounds great. And it just grows <laughs> to enormous proportions and takes over the city. It's amazing just because, you know, I mean, what they had to go through at the time, no CGI, you know. Right, so, right. Yeah, it, it's great. I just remember it as a kid. And I actually paid eight bucks for this movie and this thing. <laughs> Online goes for forty five to seventy five bucks. Oh, nice! Because it's out Good of print. Score. Yeah, so wow. I was really happy again that 
who knows what they were looking at. You know, right. I think there's a newer print that's out and maybe they were looking at that price and they just pulled it up. Or maybe they saw some like National Geographic alligator or right. some like $2 <laughs> DVD online. Yeah, it's $2. Oh man, we're going to make six bucks off of this guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was really happy about that. I put on social media and I got some really great responses to it. People remember alligator and uh, Ramon as is his name okay is the alligator's cool. name yeah Ramon taking over the sewers and eventually the city so yeah um, I'm gonna have a viewing party with some of my uh, good friends my co-worker and her husband are big horror fans and I sent them a picture of it and they were just like beside themselves so yeah, nice we're gonna have fun with that one but anyway I had to mention that one I can't remember if I mentioned last show that I picked up a copy of uh, Pato Box yeah, uh, we've talked about it in the past, but I don't think you had received it as of last month. Yeah, so. yeah, I got that from Play Asia, which is always nice because with Play Asia stuff, you order it and you forget about yeah, it. And six it months later, it's up in your mailbox. <laughs> I think they're doing a um, version of Ninja Warriors is supposed to be coming out. If you remember that arcade game, so great. So. Uh, I know Duke Togo's happy about that. He and I will be picking that up. But going back to Pato Box, it's basically like a punch out. Yeah. But you play as a, a guy with a duck head. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all in black and white, similar to uh, Mad World. Right, right. Uh, so it has that look to it. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to play it. Uh, it's supposed to be harder than punch out, difficult. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a difficulty adjustment. I'll check it out and let okay. you know. So uh, before you, you know, you to be kind of downloading if you haven't done it already. Well, I actually, I have a copy on the way because I missed out on the Vita version, but Switch. I pre-ordered the Switch nice. version. Very so, nice, yeah, man. Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet, but I think it has shipped. So uh, maybe we could play it. I don't know, as a playthrough, or we'll both end up playing it at the same time. Yeah, we can just chat about it. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, some other stuff. I've been on vacation. Um, I went to the beach with my in-laws, and, uh, you know, when you're at the beach with your in-laws, sometimes you just need to make that breakaway and go game shopping. So <laughs> I did that a few times while I was at the beach. Picked up a few Game Boy games. I picked up Dig Dug for the Game Boy, which is one you don't come across very often. Not an expensive game. And I also picked up Adventures of Star Saver, um, which is, again, a, a game you don't come across much. It's on like the $25 to $30 side, but this one had some label damage on it, so I ended up getting it for 10 which I was really happy about. So, uh, yeah, I picked that up. Some other games, just sort of these oddball games. You know, you and I, you and I like kind of the weird games and ones that people don't talk about a lot. But I picked up a copy of Snoopy's Grand Adventure for PS4. And yes, it is Snoopy the peanut character. But yeah. it's supposedly a wonderful platform. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I actually yeah. have it on the Wii U. So that's, cool. that's awesome. And then I picked up a copy of Mini Ninjas on the DS, which was a Cartridge Club game one month. I think yep. one of their mobile mm-hmm. games. And heard some good that. things about that. Just a few bucks. So... Thought you know, might as well. Through Gamefly, the Gamefly sale that you and I are always talking about and sending each other messages when we get the email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a copy of We Happy Few. And, right, right. And this was a game that we were very excited about when we saw it on E3. It was yeah, one of we talked top. about it like four years ago, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> we were so excited. And then yeah. it came out to very poor and lukewarm reviews so right, right. as we do you know it's kind of like hmm, maybe this is going to make me even more interested in getting it so um, yeah I think GameStop still sells it for like 30-35 bucks but Gamefly of course got in the mail complete 
free shipping, $15. So Excellent. hit my sweet spot, you know. And I also picked up a copy of Final Doom for the PS1. This is the one Kevin was busting my balls about, you know, right. for having a PS1 copy of a uh, uh, first-person shooter game. But uh, love the Doom series and um, found it, again, at a really, really good price locally. And then um, one you'll be happy about is Bayonetta 2 which I picked up for the Wii U. Yeah, that game is awesome. So that's a good start to your Wii U collection. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm picking up Wii U games, yeah, and yeah. which means that something's coming soon. I actually found a Wii U for my son, a boxed one. Um, at a pawn shop, really cheap. Oh, good. Yep, so awesome. he's going to be getting that for his birthday because cool. he's getting the TV. He wants a Switch, but, uh, yeah, man, I don't do presents quite that expensive for birthdays. So I told him, I was like, yeah, let's see how this goes. And if you play it enough, well, I haven't told him that, but this is what I'm going to tell him because <laughs> yeah. I haven't given it to him yet. You know, we'll see how that goes. And, uh, you know, if he decides he's going to be a gamer and do it, then, you know, maybe a Switch for Christmas. So we'll see. Well, I think y'all will love the Wii U. I can't sing its praises high enough. On Twitter, I have found that the communities for the Vita and the Wii U are so strong and just nice to each other. I'm yeah. really having a, a great time since I got a Wii U, uh, just talking to other people uh, yeah. about the console. And much like the Vita, where I was like, oh, this stupid thing, who wants one? And then once I got one, I was like... Oh, I get it. This yeah, thing yeah. is friggin' amazing. It's great. So, same thing with the Wii U. It's like, oh, that's just a dud from Nintendo. They suck, whatever. But then you get one, and it's like, damn, this thing is awesome. So, I hope Absolutely. you guys, I hope you guys love it as much as I do. I think so. I think he's gonna really love it. Um, still looking for some games, but I want to get him Splatoon. You know, he's a big yeah. Fortnite kid, but I think Splatoon would be like right up his alley. Um, nice. You know, it's like sort of like a shooter. He seems to gravitate toward those games a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, really happy that, you know, we're going to have one in the house. Uh, it's not going to take him any space in my game room because it'll be in his room. So. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> That'll be great as well. And, uh, yeah, going to start collecting for that. Already got a little bit of a head start. And then I got a big package in the mail. Some people might have seen this on Twitter as well. There was a huge, like, Frosted Flakes box in oh, my yeah. mailbox the other day. And my wife was like... Rich, there was some mail in the mailbox. I didn't touch it. I didn't know if it might be a bomb because <laughs> that's how her head works, right? Yeah. And uh, so it was a Frosted Flakes package. As soon as I opened up the mailbox, I noticed that it had um, you know, Japanese characters on it. So I knew immediately it was from our buddy Sensei Man from FamicomBlog.com. Great guy. If you ever are looking for Famicom games, I know he's not really selling as much as he used to, but I think he's kind of doing fire sales every now and then, you know, weeding down his collection. But um, he sold me copies of some Fami and Super Fami games. I got Hyper Sports and Olympic Sports, which are basically the track and field titles on the Famicom. I got Elevator Action as well, which is a game that I really, really love. I got Ease 3, which is one of the harder games to find for the Famicom, I've noticed. And I got Atsurun Desu, which is a weird, weird platformer that I really want you to check out some video on. And okay. I actually got it boxed, nice. which is really, really cool and really happy to have that. Yeah, I, I definitely want you to check out some gameplay of that one. It's just kind of funky and totally Japanese. I think you'd really love it. And then some Super Family games, Bonk's Adventure... 
Magical Teruru, uh, one of the Goemon games. I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, it's definitely logged in my collection now on RF Generation. Uh, Super Fire Pro Wrestling 2, which is really good. And I got the last Proteus game that I was looking for. There are three on the Super Famicom, and that was Proteus Forever with me. Cool. So I, I love those little yeah, fun, fun. cute-em-ups, you know. Yeah. They're, they're a blast to play. So he had all that stuff. And like I said, just an amazing price. And even shipping, man, just a few bucks to ship. He's yeah. incredible. Can't recommend him enough. So thank you so much, Sean, for that. And then... Um, is his name Sean? His name is Sean as well. Wow, excellent. Yeah. Good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my big score, I had to save this for last. Um, as many of you know, I have a complete NES set, and the next set I was going for on my list was the Sega Master System collection. Our buddy Ten Star on RF Generation, he's a big Sega collector, had like every complete yeah Sega set and just decided that you know hey that's a lot of money sitting there just want to go ahead you know I had my day in the sun I had it all on time let's just go ahead and start you know selling it off and uh, so he did and um, he got in contact with me first because he knew that uh, you know I was trying to complete my set and Crabmaster of course got in touch with him as well and I know that one of the games on here Crabmaster really wanted but he was like you know I'm going to step aside because I know you're trying to complete your set. So, But anyway, um, Scott hooked me up. I mean, just a fantastic deal. If I'd got all these titles on eBay, I would have spent so much more. There's no way you know I could have afforded to do this in, in such a, a quick turnaround. But um, I got several games from I got ALF, Dick Tracy, Ghouls and Ghosts, Golden Axe, Golden Axe Warrior, Moonwalker, Montezuma's Revenge, Sports Bad Football, Strider, Super Monaco, GP, and then James Buster Douglas Boxing, the notorious James Buster Douglas Boxing. So, yep. uh, talked about that before. Yeah. So, that's a good one. So, I got down to needing only one more title for a complete set. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott had the last title I needed, but. He sold me copies of Strider and Golden Axe Warrior, which actually have the stickers on the back that go over the barcode as well. And Spider-Man has one, too, that's sort of similar, but it's a kind of like a barcode plus Spider-Man and Kingpin trademark thing that goes across the back. Now, this wasn't on every North American release. The copy that Scott had was, you know, the U.S. release of the game still, even though it didn't have that sticker on it. But all my other games having that sticker... My Sonic game having that sticker, I was kind of like, my last one's got to have it. So I ended up going on eBay and, uh, you know, getting for a good price a copy of Spider-Man to complete my set. So wow. Congratulations. Complete set, man. The second complete set. So I'm really happy about that. You know, it's just a um, you know, big part of my childhood, the early Nintendo and Sega, like, competing against each other. So, yeah, it's really cool to see that. Cool. So what's the next complete set you're going to go for? <sighs> I don't know, man. I think um, I think I've got like fifty something more titles for my ColecoVision set, and okay. uh, I think that's probably there's. I think I've got like twelve more for my seventy eight hundred and fifty two hundred sets mm-hmm. each. But yeah, I love my ColecoVision, man. It's um, such a fun system. But uh, I'm probably just gonna keep collecting that like I do. I'm not gonna go out of my way to buy them. But if I find them like at conventions or at shops or something like that, I just pick them up as I go. 
I'm not going to um, seek anything out anymore as far as, you know, trying to get a complete set and, you know, breaking my back to do it. So, or my bank account either. So, yeah. Cool. Happy to have that finished. All right. So that's it for pickups. So let's move right into what are you playing? Besides Detroit Become Human, Rich, what have you been playing? You're traveling a lot. You're doing some handheld gaming. Oh, man. You know what? I've got my uh, bag beside me right now, my computer bag. And in that is a Game Boy Advance. Nice. And a bunch of regular Game Boy games that I packed up to bring with me. But you know what? I got sucked into reading that Shadow of the Colossus book and ah, finishing it cool. on the plane. So I'm not going to talk about it right now because I, w- I want you to read it first. Yeah, and I'm so working can, on it. Yeah, so we can both have an impression of that. Maybe by next show or you know a few more shows down the road, we can discuss that book. Honestly, I had all the intentions of playing a few Game Boy games while I was on vacation. And my wife and I have just been all over the place and have not been able to play anything besides Detroit this past month. Had an anniversary, two birthdays in May. I got two more birthdays in June. My wife's turning 40. Soccer so game. Party soccer, which is over for now, thank goodness. Tryouts oh, okay. for next year. It's just been insane. So uh, I'm hoping to get back into playing some games because I really have enjoyed that, you know, this year, like kind of beefing up playing more games besides what we're doing in the playthrough. So hopefully next month you guys will hear something from me but i'm sure you have a huge list of games you've played you always do uh it's not that much (laughs) Uh, i've been dabbling with a couple of things and like dropping games which i don't like to do but i've i don't know i've found that i really want to decide strongly if i'm going to finish a game or play through it like Mm -hmm. early in the playing of the game rather than getting deep into a game and then ditching it so well you know i had a professor i took summer classes when i was in graduate school um and i took a contemporary british class and i had a professor and uh you know he had syllabus of books that he wanted us to read during that summer but he told us the first day of class he's like i want you to read these books if you start reading one, you get like 100 pages into it and realize that it's not doing it for you and you don't want to read it. He's like, just put it down. Yeah. Can you imagine a professor telling you that? No, that's that's great, though. And I did, that, I did that with only one book, though. Okay. There was only one book that's To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. I could not handle okay. it. Not but, familiar, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the other books, um, I read Decline and Fall by Evelyn Waugh, which is fantastic social commentary such a great book and uh, you know many other books during that summer course that I just really enjoy but just not having that pressure of having to push through something that I had no interest in was just yeah. kind of a relief and made me want to read more you know, uh, yeah I, in the class and I blogged about this a couple months ago about how how I decide like to finish a game or not and what kind of factors go into it but with the reading thing i did hear that a a long time ago like if you're not enjoying a book why would you keep going and it is because of like the sunken cost fallacy like you already started it Mm -hmm. so but you you invested four hours of time into something that was bad so you're going to justify that by investing eight more hours of time into something that's bad it does not make sense when you kind of analyze it a little bit but i had this happen to me recently i i was reading a truman capote book because in cold blood is one of the best novels i've ever read and it's it's a novel based on a real event and it's an amazing amazing book 
And I've read other Capote books that were nowhere near as good. So I, tr I actually tried to read Breakfast at Tiffany's. I got halfway through it. I was hating it. Mm. The main character, Holly Golightly, which was, she was played by Audrey Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn in the mm -hmm. film. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, just one of the least likable characters I've ever come across mm -hmm. in fiction. And I was just like, I have to stop. And then I was like, well, I'll try watching the movie. It's a classic, right? Yeah. Halfway through the movie, turned it off. I was like, I'm done. Like, I yeah. think I'm I, a big fan. I have a film. theory now that Truman Capote had one good work, like one work, <laughs> one master work in him. And that was it. Uh, just a little piece of trivia before we go any further. Um, did you recognize the, uh, the male lead in the movie? I don't think so. I'll tell you what his name was, and maybe you'll recognize it. George Prepard. Okay. He was Hannibal in the A-Team. Oh, okay. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's fine. I'm not yeah. an A-Team <laughs> I remember it from being a kid. But... Well, some of our listeners are A-Team. Yeah, true. Nerds, no, that's great so... trivia for our audience. Yeah. That's true. But apparently, like, the A-Team revived his career. I think he had some you know issues with alcoholism or something like oh, that. He fell cool. out of Hollywood and kind of popped back up with the A-Team. So Very nice. It's kind of a cool piece of trivia. Cool. No, good for Sorry to interrupt. No, that's an <laughs> interruption. Uh, so anyway, into what I'm playing. And I didn't have this in my notes, but I should mention I finished The Amazing Spider-Man on the Wii U. Cool. And actually, Corey also played it on the Vita. And we had similar thoughts, which was that... It's a fun Spider-Man game, like swinging around the city is always fun. Mm -hmm. But the story missions were all not exactly the same, but most of them felt like it was to go to Oscorp and fight. You know, mm. almost every time you had to go to some Oscorp building or some branch of Oscorp or a lab or something, mm -hmm. and you're fighting either robots or soldiers. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know if this was a case of the game being rushed to coincide with the movie and they just mm. had to like copy paste the mission structure and the environment a lot. But I've heard the second one's better, so maybe I'll end up playing that at some point. But I did finish it and I did say, this isn't a correction, but I said that the voice actor for Spider-Man sounded like Liam O'Brien. It wasn't Liam O'Brien. I don't remember who it was, but when I saw the credits, I was like, Oh, not Liam O'Brien. Better better walk that back when we when we get on the air. Slipped one by him. Yeah. So uh, I did. I so I finished the Amazing Spider-Man. I would say I don't recommend it just because there's better Spider-Man games out there. I just played it for the hell of it. Now this wasn't the newest Spider-Man. No, 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 no. Okay. No, so yeah, this, this is an older game on the Wii U that okay. was related to those Andrew Garfield movies. I think. Gotcha. So I ended up playing and finishing a game called Bastion. Mm -hmm. Do you know about yeah, this yeah. one? Yeah, I've heard Have of it. Have you ever played it? I haven't played it. It was one of those that I almost thought about pulling the trigger on. Uh, limited Run, I think. Oh, yeah, did they it, did right? a physical and then Play Asia yeah. did it as well. But uh, I heard a lot of buzz about it, but didn't know enough to pull the trigger. Didn't know if it'd be something I would like or not. So I think you might like it, but it's it reminded me a lot of Lunar Nights in that okay. it had a lot of good concepts that kind of don't come together in a great way. Yeah. So the artwork is amazing and the music is beautiful and a lot of the gameplay elements are good. It's similar to Lunar Nights. It's a isometric dungeon crawl kind okay, of game. Yeah. But 
it just doesn't come together in a way that I was like, oh, this game's amazing. And it's a pretty short game. Mm-hmm. Like, how long to beat has it at, like, six hours? I don't remember how long it took me. But I felt like it was dragging, even at that kind of short length. Mm-hmm. And also, one of the glaring things about this game, and I think I'm not the only one who, like, kind of hates this about the game, is that you have this amazing soundtrack of just the most beautiful, cool music And there's this constant voiceover narration Uh that just everything you do, the voiceover narrator reacts to it. And the voice actor, you know, God bless him, he did a fine job. It it wasn't his fault that they just, you know, overdid it. Um, He delivers his lines in this, like, cool cat jazz. Like, the kid went through the wall and did this. And Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, for me, it grated on me, like, almost right away. And then the fact that it was, like, relentless throughout my whole playthrough of the game and I was tweeting I talked about it on Twitter with Steven and he said he had played through it with it muted <laughs> so oh, I was like oh, I, yeah. I was like man I don't blame you yeah that's so it's a hard game to recommend I did finish it so much like Spider-Man it wasn't the worst game I've ever played but it's like I, I don't know it's a hard recommendation yeah gotcha um, so a game I didn't finish is Kirby Planet Robobot. Yeah, I saw that. On yeah, Twitter, so yeah. I started playing it on the 3DS. And basically, if you heard me uh, a couple months ago, I was talking about Hitman Go when mm-hmm. I was playing on the Vita. And we yep. discussed the objectives mm-hmm. within each mission. Right. And you can do one or two or three. Each mission has three objectives. And I hit a wall where I hadn't completed enough of these objectives. And it really annoyed me because I just want to progress through the game and complete each level and not worry about your stupid side objectives well in kirby a similar thing happened because you can collect these code cubes these blue cubes that you have to collect there's three in each level so i'm going through and i'm i'm getting one or two in each level but i don't like collectibles and i don't like Mm -hmm. searching and scouring and especially in a 2d platformer Mm -hmm. like i just want to go through the levels right the level levels in this game are quite lengthy I, i think so i have this sinking feeling that these cubes are needed to progress within the game so it just so happened when i got to the first boss of the first world I had enough of the cubes to fight the boss, right. but I, I abandoned the game. I turned it off and I said, I'm not going to play this because if I get to world two and I don't have enough cubes, I'm going to be pissed. If I get to world eight and I can't go to the final boss, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Even a game like Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U, which I talked about a few yeah. months ago, that had that thing where you had to have a certain amount of stars to actually unlock the boss battles and the new levels now that annoyed me in that game but that game was just so good that i didn't care that i had to go back and play a couple like when i got to the end of the game it was like i needed like 75 stars and i had like 68 or something so i didn't have to get a ton in that game and i loved the game so much i didn't mind going back and playing it but this is something that's really starting to annoy me with games yeah like just give me a level and let me play through it and get to the end of the level. Then let me go to the next level. Mm-hmm. If you want to put collectibles in your game, that's great. Just make them ancillary to the objectives of the game and to proceeding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I just, I don't like it. 
Yeah, I think like a game like Super Mario World did it really well with like the Yoshi coins. Yeah, like, you could collect exactly. them, and it was you know just like a point, and I think uh, life bonus too if you got yep. them all right. So, you know, I don't mind stuff like that. That's cool because you get to keep you know continue and progress. A game that I played, I guess it was last summer. I talked about it on the Vita was. Uh, Cursed Castilia. I talked about that. It was kind of like a Ghost and Goblins game. Right. It had these collectibles in it. And if you got those collectibles, you could unlock a true ending, but it never stopped you Mm -hmm. from going through the game. Uh, There's another game on the NES called Mr. Gimmick, where there's these special treasures that you have to get to actually get to play the last level of the game. Otherwise, you don't get the complete ending, which is annoying as well i yeah. mean you know just i don't know <laughs> yeah and, and just to be clear also because i know people are going to say it i'm not talking about like clearly defined like you need to get the keys in doom and wolfenstein sure like, that's totally different to me that's i'm not saying there shouldn't be some kind of tactical like you have to get a key from over here to go through a door over here right i'm talking about the progression of the the game itself and the objectives of the game yeah uh, if they're not clearly spelled out for progression so yeah just seems tacked on really yeah so to move on what i'm playing right now is uh that game brave story new traveler which is a psp game i'm playing it on the vita Mm -hmm. and i'm actually starting to get i'm starting to get a little bit worried that my psps are going to become completely obsolete because every time i want to play a psp game i play it on the vita because Mm -hmm. i have the bigger screen it looks nicer and i have that option to use the right thumbstick if i want to because you can map it to whatever you want uh, so that's an interesting thought. Like I have these PSPs that I, I love and I've grown up with, but uh, and that you bought three or four of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'm playing this on the Vita. So far, I'm not that far. It's like a comfort food RPG, uh, and I'm enjoying it a Ooh. bunch. So as I get further into the game, I'll report back. It's awesome. supposed to be short, like 20, 25 hours. And I heard it's easy, so that's what I was like. Okay, looks looks like it's right up my alley. But what I really wanted to talk about, as far as playing, is a game on the Wii U called Star Fox Zero. Yeah. And this is significant because I don't think ever in my life have I seen a critical consensus that I disagreed with so strongly. And I want to do like a reverse class action lawsuit and like bring everybody who trashed this game to court and make them explain themselves. Right. Rich, this game is phenomenal. Yeah. And I found no truth in any of the criticisms of the motion controls that people were reporting on. So here's the thing. What the naysayers will tell you about this game is that you have to hold your Wii tablet in front of your face and look back and forth from the tablet to your TV screen. Because the way the game is designed by Platinum Games, mind you, Mm -hmm. is that you have like a cockpit view in Mm -hmm. your control pad and then you have the traditional Star Fox view on your TV where you can see your ship and fly around. Okay. Right? Your controls are that your thumbstick and your camera stick move your ship and your aiming but only so much and you actually have to use motion tilt controls with the gamepad mm-hmm. to do like fine aiming 
So this is where people say, oh, I got to look at the tablet, then look at the screen and back and forth and I'm confused and I'm dizzy and mm. my IQ is so low. I don't really know what to do here. Uh, so I played this game and I found that I played through about 90% of the game. I didn't look at the game pad whatsoever. Mm. And maybe it's because... Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I love the Wii so much and I love, uh, like, PlayStation VR so much that motion controls come kind of naturally to me. Mm -hmm. But my tactic in playing this game was to look at the screen and play it like Star Fox 64 or like any other Star Fox game mm -hmm. and just use those motion controls by feel. You don't have to look at the gamepad at all. Yeah. You're just flying around and then, ah, just tilt it that way if you need to. So wait a minute. So you went to the concert and you watched the people up on stage <laughs> instead of watching the TVs up That's on the side right. and taking pictures of them. You <laughs> see people yes, doing the concerts. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much something like that. So look, I'll accept that people have said that they should have at least made it optional. Sure. That you could use the Pro Controller or something else and not have to use these fine-tuned controls. But then they would have to have developed the game in a completely different way to have both of those options. Yeah. So that's a, that's a huge ask of Platinum and Nintendo to do that. If you take all that control, the control issues out, you just have an awesome game that's basically a remake or a reimagining or a reboot or however you want to say it of Star Fox 64, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Cool. So, you know, when you, when you end up getting a Wii U, I would highly recommend that you just ignore all the haters and get Star Fox 64. It's on my and, list. Yeah. Yeah. It's been on my list from the beginning, even though, you know, I've heard negative things about it. You know, yeah. I like the Star Fox games and, you know, we talked about before, hopefully we can, play some of the early ones maybe you know as a yeah, playthrough I'd yeah, love to do should. that one month but uh, yeah, it's always been on my list and you know screw the haters you know yeah check no, it this, out. this stands to me it stands proudly in, in the series and I called it a masterpiece on Twitter and I wasn't trying to really be like a hot take kind of tweet but I stand by that I think sure. it was a it's one of the best games I've played in a long time. And like I said, it's on par with Star Fox 64, which is, which is one of my favorites. Definitely my favorite, uh, 64 game. So. Yeah. It comes in like a little bundle too with, uh, Star Fox Guard as well. Uh, it's a little. Yeah. 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 Right? And Guard, I haven't played that yet, but that's like, um, it's a tower defense. It's a dollar like, game, man. I picked it yeah, up. Actually, okay, already, yeah, yeah. It's like a Five Nights at yeah. Freddy's, like control the cameras yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's a bad no, it for, you get it for a bucket GameStop, so why not? Right, yeah. right. That's awesome. All right, so that's it for my What Are You Playing? Okay. All right. Well, you know, I planned on handing you these other gifts that I brought for <laughs> oh, you. Oh, man, I feel bad because I don't have no, any no, gifts this for is, you. This is how I am. I mean, you ask any of the guys that, uh, you know, when we go to RWX, I always bring gifts. That's how I am. I like, you know, I just like to do nice things and, uh, you know, get a little joy out of people. But this is what I got for your wife. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can't have this. This is for your wife. All right. Okay. So I oh, thought this pretty cool. She's going to love this. <laughs> okay, so this is... I'm glad this isn't for me because I don't, I hate these. Things. I know you do. That's <laughs> All right, what I got good, you too. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's a Funko Pop of Jaws with 
With the tank in its mouth. Yes. Yes, yes. they make them with and without. So I got the one with the tank in its mouth. I thought That's it was so awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. I know you're not a big fan of the pops, but this is like one of the larger sized ones. And it's pretty cool, yeah. man. It's Jaws. Come on. Cool. It's not any of the characters. It's actually a shark. It doesn't look too weird. The black eyes, you know, I mean, that the pops usually have. I mean, it fits with a shark. It, it really does. Eyes, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, I can't wait for you to be able to give this to her. She'll have to just decide, does that go on the mantle or in the game room? One more thing, man. I asked you about this the other day, so I hope you like it. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I know you're a big uh, case collector for all your handhelds and uh, came across this really cool uh, Persona Q. Yeah. Oh, the sound of yeah. the zipper is going to be nice for all of that inside. It's just pretty cool, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what's cool about this? I believe this is Japanese. Really? Yeah, because look at that. Nintendo 3DS LL. That's what they call the XL in Japan. Nice. Yeah. Well, what's cool about this, I found this at my honey hole that you nice. go to. <laughs> and somebody had uh, unleashed a bunch of, like, uh, Japanese Game Boy games as well. None that I really knew about or had any interest in, but, you know, I did see this. They just had it lying down in a bin, and I was like, you know, for a few bucks, man, I'm sure Sean will really appreciate that, and it's cool that it's, like, uh, Japanese exclusive. Even better, man. You have yeah. to post some pictures of it on Twitter. Well, you know what's going to fit perfectly in here is my <laughs> Japanese 3DS LL. That is go. gorgeous. Cool. Perfect. Cool. Thank you uh, so much. Oh, yeah, man. I'm glad you like it. Awesome. You wish to demystify our electricity And claim the charge between our hearts Is just illusionary Oh my, oh no, how can I be so shameless And let myself fall so impossibly So as we have been doing, we could start our game discussion with the question of the month. 
And now this one, this question was all me because <laughs> <all> like you. <laughs> again, this game. I was on vacation. I didn't care. True. Like, that, sure, yeah, I'm that's taking, true. Man. Plus the, the <laughs> themes of the game are just so much in my wheelhouse and the whole artificial yeah. intelligence thing. And also because on a personal level, I've actually like kind of pivoted my feeling on this question. And I'll explain after we, we go through what it is and the responses. So I decided to put up a poll on Twitter this time. And I asked, in the spirit of our upcoming discussion of Detroit Become Human, the question is a binary choice. When it comes to the future of AI, which of these best describes your overall feelings? And feel free to elaborate with a reply and we'll read it on the air. And your two choices are excited and scared. <laughs> now, many people commented, oh, I'm a little bit of both. But sure. the point of the question is it's a binary choice. Are you more excited or more scared? Because <laughs> we could all say, oh, in certain ways we're excited, certain ways we're scared. That's probably at, at the end of the day how I feel. But I wanted to know, like overall. So here are the results of the poll. This is really interesting because out of 11 votes, we had 45% excited and 55% scared, which means scared won by one vote. <laughs> if I had voted, uh, which I, I think I put a comment in there, uh, can I pick both? Yeah. But uh, yeah, since it's a ones and zeros question, obviously, um, which fits our month. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably go with scared. Okay. Yeah. I'd probably gone scared if I would have chosen. So, yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Is sure. this as a Skynet Terminator thing? <laughs> or? Well, yeah. I mean, I think so. I think as humans, I think we just kind of don't take a step back a lot of times. I think we're just so intent on pushing forward with technology that that's going to be the ultimate end of us and okay. our species. I think that... Our thirst for knowledge, uh, you know, even from <laughs> supposed biblical times, right. the thirst for knowledge is um, what's going to end up destroying us. And, you know, I don't think that's going to happen within my lifetime. Okay. But um, I, I definitely see us getting into opening some sort of Pandora's box that we can't close. Okay. So, yeah. So you're more in the um, malevolent. AI yeah. situation. So you're thinking more of the Matrix or Terminator sure. kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, before I get to my change of heart, I'll read some of the elaborations on Twitter that people gave us. So Engineer Mike said, I voted scared, although scared doesn't quite describe it. Apprehensive might be a better term. The technological singularity gives me slight apprehension due to humanity not being able to predict it or do anything about it once it occurs. Skynet might get us. <laughs> He's touching on the whole point of the singularity and, and what makes that novel, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, so enjoyable is that what it is one of those things that once it's set free, you, you can't put it back in the box. 
So like you were saying, a Pandora's box type of situation, it's almost like a water freezing or like if you know about economics like a situation of hyperinflation Mm -hmm. you can print the money as much as you want and inflate 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 but you can't make hyperinflation happen it just happens it's like you can make water colder and colder and colder and it becomes ice at a certain point Mm -hmm. that's not the best metaphor because we know what temperature ice freezes at but Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Corey, uh turn around and run He said, I believe there is a lot of good that can come from AI, like improving healthcare. However, we know people around the world will develop AI to hurt people, and that is what scares me. Mm -hmm. Now, that one touched me a lot because I'm a big anti-war guy, and I'm a big anti-government guy, and I know that our governments with this technology in the wrong hands i mean we've already seen you know all this kind of future warfare and Mm -hmm. drone warfare and all this other stuff it is very scary so he makes a very good point there uh steven eider said there are better things to be scared of i agree like clowns (laughs) no i mean no that's that's a good that's a good thing we we might have more clear and pressing dangers or Steven Eider might just be a complete skeptic of advanced AI which could also be uh, the situation here and then somebody who I'm not familiar with but shout out to Gord Ball do you know who that is? I do not know Gord Ball but thank you so Gord Ball thanks for the comment he said just like the world's current issues of race and religion, people will be scared of what can come of AI and synthetic beings. If you're willing to grow, there's nothing to be scared of. Hmm. Okay, interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, I have one more. Okay, this is a good one from our good buddy, Crabmaster2000. Oh, man, are you getting personal texts again? Yes, of yeah. course. We can't leave him out. He he was one of our, our most robust playthroughs this month. Yeah. He's, I feel left out, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can make it a group chat if you want. <laughs> so he said, Excited! Bring on the automated cars and sex bots. My body is ready. <laughs> Okay, so my answer to this question is, I used to be very scared and now I'm excited. Okay. And I'm actually becoming more and more skeptical. I'm doing more reading and becoming more skeptical of of an actual AI singularity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a roboticist. I'm not a computer programmer. But as I dig deeper and try to understand these concepts... It seems more like we will just be having our computers and our robots, so to speak, just get faster and stronger and more intelligent in a sense. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to become these godlike gods, basically, that can control the universe like in in the novel that I keep talking about Mm -hmm. or like in The Matrix or The Terminator. And... I have tweeted out some resources about this, but I listened to uh, Sam Harris's podcast. He had a, a gentleman named uh, Eliezer Yabrowski, I believe is his name. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. 
And if you're listening to this, you got to look up Eliezer Yabrowski and the AI in a box mm-hmm. puzzle mm-hmm. because it's really fascinating and it's a real mind f- because what he was talking about was if you have an advanced AI, you cannot let it touch the internet. Like, as soon as it touches the internet, it's game over, right? right? So people are arguing with him, like, oh, advanced AI would be fine so long as you keep it in a box and don't let it touch the internet. Mm -hmm. So he did this, like, exercise with a bunch of people and said, let's role play. I'll be the AI, you be the scientist, and I will convince you to let me out of the box Mm -hmm. under the following terms. We do it via, like, some secure internet relay chat or something and whatever the results are you cannot disclose the conversation that we have Mm. and then he did it and then like two out of three people said i let eliezer out of the box and nobody knows what the discussion was (laughs) so there's all these theories about it that it's like oh the other person was in on it the whole thing's a publicity stunt but then it's like wow, what kind of logic and reasoning and persuasion did he... And this is just a role-playing exercise, you know what I mean? So if if some guy can convince some other guy in a role-playing exercise to let the AI out of the box, a real AI will have certainly no problem, especially if it's like an advanced AI and some security guard, not somebody who's like thinking very strongly about it. And this, this is like the film Ex Machina. And without spoiling it, yeah. think of what the AI in that film does. And that's why I love that film so much because it's it's like there is a situation where AI could will, will just totally screw us over and just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's AI. It's not, there's no human emotions. There's no empathy. If there's a malevolent AI, it will just be complete destruction, no regard for nature, humans mm-hmm. or animals or anything. But if it's a benevolent AI, it will, it could be just like this utopic, like heaven, the likes of which we can't even imagine, people are saying, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm starting to fall back into the camp of that stuff is all really nice to think about. And it's nice to read books about it and watch movies about it. But really, these are just component parts like this microphone is made of plastic and metal and rubber and where the question was a binary choice it's because all it all comes down to ones and zeros you know Mm -hmm. computers can only do what we program to them to do and yes there's there's machine learning and yes there's machines that can play go and chess at levels that we can't even comprehend how they're teaching themselves to play these games so well kind of thing but I don't know. I, I'm I'm sensing a a bit of fear mongering, a bit of exaggerating. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think I went really hard on the oh my god, the singularity is going to friggin' happen. It's going to be either amazing <laughs> or the end of the human race. And then I've come back to like we're just talking about computers here. Like we've had machines that do work. We've had machines building cars for damn near a hundred years you know what i mean so i don't know I'm, I'm i'm i feel like i'm coming back to earth on this question my vote would be excited for that reason okay. and i'm with crabby also sex box not on the sex box <laughs> but on the self-driving cars thing yeah i'm hyped as hell for self-driving cars 
because I can get so much more reading and gaming done in a self-driving car. I mean, come on. How long is your oh, commute no. to you work? You saw Greg, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great movie. Yeah, great yeah. Play. All that stuff can be manipulated, too. I mean, that's... Well, that's like we were talking about, like, if I have um, cyber uh, contact lenses, sure. you know, somebody could hack it and watch me uh, shaving. Yeah. Or doing some other innocent thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I, I get that. And anything that has software can be hacked. That's yeah. why I, I'm i really careful about all my devices. You'll see there's no like webcams in here sure. or anything. All the my webcams at work are covered up. Yeah. Uh, even in the beginning of Ex Machina, the main character, they, they go right off the bat, like 10 seconds into the film that somebody's watching him through his phone. Sure. It's like you always got to assume that that's going on. Uh, yeah. But that's a totally different issue. I, th- I feel like that has nothing to do with AI. That's more cybersecurity and the sure. Internet. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I still think, you know, even though AI cannot mimic emotion, I think is humans this thirst for knowledge and a thirst for pushing the boundaries and creating something that shows emotion because we can pick up on emotion we could program something to get something close to emotion right Mm -hmm. that you know it could be enough for you know something to be dangerous in the wrong hands i mean we we talk about benevolent robots and we talk about you know, I've never been word evil, but I mean, that's going to depend on human nature. And I think anything that's built, even at the most innocent concept of doing good, somehow we're going to turn that into something that's going to be destructive as with everything, you know, like splitting the atom, you yeah. know, as a means of fuel. But what did we end up doing with that? Right. right. So, or the internet itself. Sure. Think about like, sure. The, what we have at our fingertips, we should all be, you know, we should all be doctors by now because we have... It's a wonderful thing, the but it's world of an knowledge. awful thing as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, read some YouTube comments. And, well, that's exactly <laughs> it. We have this... The, it's the, a mask to hide behind. You know? The wealth of knowledge that has never been known within human history, and we use it to talk each other on Twitter and post cat pictures. You know right. what I mean? Right. So... Yeah. Um... I, I get what you're saying there, too. Yeah. All right. Well. You back on Team Scared yet? No, not really. <laughs> not really. I want my self-driving cars. <laughs> All right. All right.
So yeah, so we played Detroit Become Human, and this was developed by Quantic Dream, led by David Cage, released for the PlayStation 4 on May 25th, 2018, and later came out for Microsoft Windows in 2019. Uh, So as our listeners know, we've played Fahrenheit or Mm -hmm. Indigo Prophecy back Mm -hmm. on the PlayStation 2. We've played Heavy Rain, and we've played Beyond Two Souls, and we're both pretty much fans of the these games we're yeah. fans of this company and we're fans of their vision and we knew that you know when this game came out it was inevitable that we would play it so right. here we are i do want to say i got to throw out there's a podcast that i've been listening to called Kane and rinse and i think i re- recommended this to you on in the text messaging that we do but I got to give them a shout out because I've been listening to them a lot. They do something similar to what we do, which is they take one game or a couple of games. Like they did one episode of a bunch of Tony Hawk games at once. It's very similar to what we yeah, do. Yeah, okay, I got you. Only they do multiple games a month. They have teams of people doing games and they put panels together. It's a larger operation than ours. Anyway, great show. Shout out to them, Kane and Rinse. But the thing I love about them, relevant to this episode, mm-hmm. is they their panel that they have done for Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. I'm sorry I forget the names of the people on this panel, but they put one guy on there that absolutely hates Quantic Dream and David <laughs> Cage. And it is so great listening to him just... And he's not just talking for the sake of it. He's yeah. got great points. Okay. And it really, like, and it's not like we're just Pollyanna fans of, you know, we've never said, like, David Cage can do no wrong. There's no oh, plot holes in heavy rain, not. like, kind of thing. Like, right. But it's, it's very interesting to hear that perspective of somebody who's just like, this is an abomination kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. So yeah. I'd recommend to, to you and to our listeners to go, in general, check out Kane and Rinse, and in specific, check out those episodes because they're a real riot. Should we start putting on Twitter? If you fucking hate this game, would you like to be on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we must have a cons- like a dissenting yeah. opinion. And speaking of the singularity, I feel like right. you and I are kind of on the same page with these games that we play. So, uh, so yeah, th- I mean, in a certain sense, we knew what to expect with this game. Uh, before we go any further, sure. I'll throw out the participants here. We had Dougley 007, Crabmaster 2000. And his wife, the Crab Mistress 2000? I just put that in there. I like, nice. I, I like the sound of it. The mistress sounds almost like a prostitute. Yeah, that's like bad. your yeah. mistress is your side yeah. your side piece. So right. we'll have to do, like I call my wife Mrs. Grey Ghost, so we'll say so Mrs. Mr. Crab Master. 2000, yeah. Um, we had a, new, a new-ish a new member, Mr. Stoobs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Welcome yeah. to the site, Mr. Stoobs. He yeah. was on there, did, had a lot of great commentary, and I Absolutely. hope he stays with us and participates in the future, because... I really enjoyed uh, reading his work. Yeah. And then we also had Pam and Addicted. Uh, Which they were commentary only. They didn't play through the game this time around. I think both of them had played it very recently. So they got into the discussion and talked about where their games went, which was cool. I I love seeing, like, everyone kind of posting in spoilers, like, where their games ended up and, you know, what happened. It was really cool. Yeah, so the... Gameplay of the game will will be familiar 
for the most part, it will be familiar to anybody who has played the previous Quantic Dream games with us or has played Until Dawn, which is like um, Quantic Dream adjacent. Right. <laughs> you know, a totally different developer and everything yeah, else, yeah. but it's a very similar yeah. uh, type and feel of a game. Right. So you move your characters in a 3D space, but most of the game play revolves around choices that you make that are based on character dialogue Mm -hmm. or quick time events with things that are going on within the game. Mm -hmm. There are some things added to the gameplay in this particular title, which I think make it very special. We have for the first time the ability to kind of checkpoint our way through the game. And at the end of each chapter, it gives you this chart of all the decisions you've made and you can actually if you choose go back to a previous checkpoint and change your decision which actually goes against what david cage has said in the past about his games because we quoted him in our heavy rain episode where he said like you should just play through the game once and leave it on your shelf forever kind of thing and we had our commentary on that uh opinion so now he, it's almost like he did a complete 180. Yeah. And when I say him, I mean he and his team, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided to do a complete 180 and give you the option to, if you made a decision you didn't like, to go back and change it almost in real time. Yeah. So I, I like this. I took advantage of this a couple of I times. Did, I did myself. You did yeah. as well. A part of me hates to admit that, though, you know? Really? I mean, yeah, okay. Because okay. The, you know, the philosophy, you know, I kind of buy into that philosophy a little bit, but at the same time, when I get a result that I don't like, or, mm-hmm. you know, in this game, for instance, you can lose characters. Yes. And so, you know, I want to see their story more played out, and so I don't want to lose those characters, right? I don't want to shorten the game, shorten my experience. So, yeah. you know, I really felt like I had to do it. I, I reset three times. Yeah, I think... Certain chapters, yeah. I did two times, mm-hmm. um, and I should have done it a third time, because okay. I got some bad endings, and oh. we'll get into that later, but I also really enjoyed this because I like to see all the content in these types of games, mm-hmm. and I love games where you can have different things happen on different playthroughs, and I'm not just talking about narrative adventures like these and i'm not just talking about quantic dream games but i remember i'll give you a totally different example uh dragon age origins which is a western rpg uh, made by bioware a friend of mine was playing the game and he told me oh i have so and so in my party and that so and so in my game was one of the like bad bad guys like a really bad oh, wow. bad guy wow. and he was in my friend's games like he was in his party and yeah. I was like what <laughs> you know I remember when he told me that I was like holy shit you can do that so when I'm with with something like this the temptation was very strong and if we weren't doing this for the playthrough where you know, there's that podcast mentality where it's like, I have to finish this game and, ah, see, you know, see. take my mental notes and, and be ready, prepared for the show. But there was always a temptation to go back and, oh, what happens if I didn't do that? Or what happens if I did this? You know, there's some, you can always see like sometimes, because you, you'll look at the tree and you'll say, oh, there was a choice there. I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. But then also there's sometimes 
glaring choices. Like one, for example, is when you're playing as Kara, did you go and get the gun before you went to rescue Alice? Like yeah, that's yeah. a huge decision. And I, I would wonder like how it would mm-hmm. be to replay that kind of thing. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know why I got the gun? Because you want to kill that. <laughs> well, that's but I, I think like so much had leaked out about the game and a lot of the demos too that you knew that was coming. You knew that there oh, was going to really? be a child abuse episode. Okay, and so I, I knew that was coming. Okay, yeah. I didn't know. I yeah, didn't. I did. I had like pre knowledge of that somehow. All right. Well, let's. We're getting into story stuff, so let's just go for it. Sure. Besides, it's getting late, and I want to go to pinballs. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so the story is split into three main characters. You have Kara, who mm-hmm. I was just talking about, who's like this maid android mm-hmm. uh, and she has a little sidekick named Alice mm-hmm. who's a, a little girl mm-hmm. you have Connor who great name by the way I wonder if that's that has to be a nod to Sarah Connor yeah yeah there. I definitely thought uh, so myself yeah so Connor is like a police Kara Sarah true yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have Marcus who is Played by an underwear model, and <laughs> he starts out as this like servant to a rich retired artist, and then becomes this like kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. character for robot mm-hmm. civil rights, basically. Right. Um, so those are your three main characters, and you play through the game, kind of hopping back and forth between all three of them, mm-hmm. and in true Quantic Dream narrative adventure fashion anything can happen and that includes characters dying and it's funny because i got connor killed in the first scenario and that was the first time i used the checkpoint Mm -hmm. now i found out later that he comes back and you can actually kill him multiple times throughout the game and you'll actually get a you'll get a trophy that says like i'll be back or something like some kind of trophy if you kill him enough times <laughs> another um, terminator not <laughs> yep so you go through this story of the certain robots becoming deviant mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're getting at with malevolent ai it's similar to the ideas brought about in irobot the mm-hmm. asimov series of of novels and that is like what happens if a robot breaks breaks the rules and hurts a human being kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So throughout the stories of the three characters, you can actually become deviant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great scene where you it's like a QTE. Yeah, the QTE when you, QTE break, you break, do it. physically break the yeah, wall, yeah, right? I really it's, like which is that. interesting. I really uh, like that. But um, yeah, I, I want to talk about the beginning of the game, just being kind of like thrown into yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. You know, I mean, it's a hostage situation from right off the bat. Yep. Uh, there's a little girl being held hostage, we should say, by a deviant android on top of a building with a gun to her head. And the mom uh, is coming through the hallway at the beginning as you're going up the elevator, because that's how the game starts. And you pass her, and she's like, please save my little girl. And then she realizes that you're an android, mm. and she freaks out and, yeah. you know, uh, says some uh, hateful things. Not quite hate speech, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, right in front of you. And so you're a hostage negotiator, and you are trying to save this little girl from a gunshot or falling off of a building. So uh, I don't know. What do you think about the beginning of this? It's a pretty intense way to start out a game. 
Yeah, and I like the way the beginning of the game kind of sets the tone. So there's a, there's also a beginning like credit roll that kind of lays out the the universe, so mm-hmm. to speak. The tone of the robots are like the servant class, so to speak. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of political parallels here that I think mm-hmm. they were trying to make. I don't sure. I don't think I want to get too much into that. Sure. But you know, the, the robots have to ride a certain section of the bus, for example. Like right, right. Uh, yeah. But but basically, it's, it's, it's in your face. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're cast as like a lower class of society. Mm-hmm. But what's weird about it for me is. Again, as somebody who chose excited about AI, it was almost hard for me to get into the shoes of not thinking like, well, I, I mean, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it's, it's almost like the mundanity of the Internet. You know, we have the Internet, like I was saying, this amazing wealth mm-hmm. of knowledge that we've never seen in human history. Again, we just use it to trash each other, basically. Yeah. So I think maybe in a world where robots or androids became the norm it might be amazing at first but then it would fall into this kind of mundanity Mm -hmm. of yeah come on like mow the lawn robot let's go or whatever you know (laughs) but anyway the beginning of the game through like a, a credit montage basically sets up that tone and that world yeah and then yeah being thrown into that hostage negotiation it was very intense right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And they do give you some of the game mechanics there that are specific to Connor, which are almost like the Batman detective mode mm-hmm. where you have to piece together certain mm-hmm. uh, pieces of evidence. It wasn't used a ton in the game, but it is something that is revisited uh, a handful of times yeah. throughout the game, which yeah, I really like about Connor. You pick up, the more negotiation power you have yeah yeah yeah. and in certain scenarios throughout the game the other you get more dialogue options you unlock dialogue options which actually you do because there's like a little key up there from whatever matter so it does show you what you've unlocked by doing something yeah and so that was something that was maybe a little undercooked by the time the game is over but i do like that that was there Um, yeah i I like that too the first time i played through the game the guy shot Connor because I said to sacrifice Connor to save the girl so I think he ran and pushed the dude and the girl came back onto the building but the dude shot him as he was going down kind of thing I don't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. but that was like oh no I'm doing that again my main character is not dying in the first five minutes of the game sorry yeah yeah uh so I did it again and negotiated it out yeah. the right way so. and it's fairly obvious I think in some ways how to negotiate it out especially if you had enough of the unlocked stuff yeah, yeah. because you automatically know okay well if I've unlocked something I can use that to my advantage and that's going to be helpful yeah um but, uh, but, yeah, I ended up saving the girl. I wonder if there's an option for the girl to get capped or to you die in the game. Push them both off. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, my result was just basically um, kind of talking him down and, you know, get him to release the girl, put it down, and then snipers just immediately obliterating him. Oh, you know, interesting. You, you find uh, an intense amount of guilt, but... We've talked about this before, like how I play these games and how I get like infested yeah, in these games, really right? Yeah. And so it's funny, like playing as an AI, a lot of it was I'm not going to play this like I personally would. I'm going to play this like I feel an android would. So I wanted to play Connor 
very straight, mm-hmm. you know, diligent doing his job, not being deviant at all. Okay. So that's how I played the Connor playthrough almost to the end. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later. My emotion got the better of me. And, uh, yeah. There's one scene that I thought was very pivotal in the game. And I think I mentioned oh, yeah. you on text about that. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So just interesting, uh, kind of getting in my head with how I play these games. Well, I think we could almost just kind of encapsulate the plot of the story and sure. then just kind of talk about our favorite moments. Yeah, Does that great. work for you? Absolutely. Okay, so... Uh, basically, Connor has to investigate the deviant robots like the one that you encounter right at the beginning. So you understand what the concept of a deviant is. And Connor has to work with Hank, who is this grizzled old human yep. detective who doesn't like androids. You know, they're a bit of an odd couple and you have to kind of negotiate your relationship with him. Yeah. Kara's plot is that she is trying to get the little girl, Alice... To Canada because they were in an abusive household with this guy who was beating them both up. And actually how you're introduced to Kara is she's being picked up by him at a repair shop. Right. So that's actually a social parallel, which I think was really well done. Yes. That's a a headspace you don't want to get into and think about. Like this dude's beating up this kind of analog for a real woman. Right. He, he beat her to the point where she had to be sent to a repair shop to be repaired. That's really well written, and that's a, a really provocative introduction to a character. Right, and you realize that you're feeling empathy for a machine. Right off you the know, bat. Right off the yeah. bat. I mean, it really toes that line and makes you really think about what you're doing. And I think that's the power of this game, where it you know makes you kind of toe that line. You, you realize, oh, wait, these aren't human characters. These are just machines. Yep. Huge empathy, yeah. So then as Kara, you return home with this gentleman, and you realize there's he has a, a daughter, a young mm-hmm. girl in the house as well. So And your memory's been erased as well. Oh, I right. mentioned that. So right. you don't know what's happening. You're piecing it together as you're back in the house. Yep, yep. So then something happens, and we can pause here and talk about it, because this was one of my biggest moments, mm-hmm. was yeah. the guy's being abusive to the little girl. And as Kara, you're in a situation where you can you can go deviant right away right. because you've got to yeah. protect Alice. And in my playthrough, you can mete out justice to this guy. Yeah. And part of the tasks of the beginning of the game, and Pam commented on this in the forum, was that in Heavy Rain, you start by doing some really kind of quote-unquote boring or mundane things like in your home Mm -hmm. as the main character, Ethan, Mm -hmm. and that kind of sets up his world. Yes. With Kara and with some of the other characters, you're doing your servant job, so you're actually Mm -hmm. cleaning the house, doing the dishes. Right. All the while, this guy's yelling at you and just being a dick. And then one of the things is as you're cleaning his room, you can discover a gun in his uh, nightstand. Right. So you're faced with a decision when the little girl, Alice, runs up the stairs and he is going to follow her and you can protect her. Okay. In my playthrough, 
I went straight for the gun (laughs) because I'm like, listen, I don't care. I'm not doing friendly AI when it comes to like a child abuse situation. And I'm saying I'm putting this guy down if I can. Right. So I went and got the gun in a struggle, ended up shooting him in the stomach. Yeah. And that's when Kara and Alice have to leave the house and Mm -hmm. start fending for themselves. Yeah. So how did that play out in your situation? Same. I mean, I saw the gun and like I mentioned before, I had seen enough of, um, I guess, promo videos. I knew that this was going to happen. Yeah. So I didn't. Automatically knew. Yeah. Okay. I'll be curious as to, and I don't want to talk about this now, but how you reflect on this moment when you find out something later in the game. Okay. I'm not sure what you're talking about, so you can ask me later. Um, So then that starts Kara and Alice's adventure. And then they discover that there's this kind of underground railroad, so to speak, (laughs) to get androids out of the United States and into Canada. Canada. With Marcus... Oh, Canada. (laughs) Everyone always loves you. (laughs) Uh, So with Marcus, like I said, you start out... You're hanging out with Lance Henriksen, mm-hmm. and he's a retired artist in a wheelchair, and you're basically his caretaker. Mm-hmm. The plot with him is that his son is a money-grubbing lowlife. It's implied that he's on drugs. Well, it's clearer. Yeah. It's more than implied that he's on drugs right. and needs money for his habit. And uh, that's where Marcus can go rogue. You can actually fight back against him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you end up getting shot. I think no matter what, because I have to put you in that junkyard Yes, uh, for that chapter. That was one of the resets for me. Oh, really? You yeah. tried to not get shot. Right. Okay. I, the first time, you know, I bushed him Yeah. And killed the son. Oh, okay. Uh, because I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah. And then I got shot. By the cops when right. they show up. And then I was like, well, I don't want to get shot. So I did it the other way. I, you know, I thought that might be the end of my character. Hmm. But no matter what you do, you get shot and you go to yeah. that. Which brings up a good point with these type of games is like, how much choice do you really have a lot of times? True. It's, yeah. They can only give you so much choice. They have to have key plot points. Well, there has right? to be limits, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this game has what? What do they say? Over a thousand ways to play it out. So. I, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Marcus ends up in a junkyard and this is kind of where he has this crisis of conscience so to speak that you know robots should be treated better and that you know he feels more Mm. like they should have rights kind of thing yeah and he ends up trying to find this place called jericho which is hinted throughout the game Mm -hmm. and it turns out jericho is just this barge in the bay it's like this large ship that's out of commission is very rusty and scary and when you first get to it it's almost like a resident evil game he's walking around <laughs> it with a flashlight yeah and he discovers that jericho is just this band of androids who have gone deviant or whatever and have just kind of banded together and are in hiding mm-hmm. so his, what he says to them is like at least in my playthrough was this isn't the kind of life we want to live. Like, what are we going to do? Just hide out here forever? Yeah. So he becomes this kind of leader of a resistance movement mm-hmm. and a revolutionary in a, yeah. in a certain way. Right. And um, you can play that two different ways as well throughout the game. Yeah. You can play that uh, like Gandhi. 
right? <laughs> or, <laughs> or you can take a more um, violent approach yeah. to the game. So let's talk about that because I know that was one of your big decisions that you made. Now, I started as peaceful mm-hmm. because, again, I'm, I was having a hard time role-playing and I thought if, if this was me, I'm a very very strongly like non-violent like against aggressive violence so i played as peaceful but as the game went on they pushed me and they pushed me and they pushed me and by the end there were events where i was just like all right let's go let's take them out you know like how in the hell do you live in texas you guys (laughs) love your guns more than we do in north carolina it's amazing (laughs) the shirts and all the yeah uh, yeah. everything it's great well i I mean i (laughs) i believe strongly in self-defense sure but aggressive violence sure absolutely i'm strongly against and those things uh are morally consistent so did you face a challenge when you were in the plaza after you set all the robots free out of the the shop there, mm-hmm. where you had, yeah, there you had the to end. decide: do you want to be a van, like a complete vandalizing person and cause mayhem, or do you just want to put nice peace signs all over everything, which is what I did? Right. I, I started out very um, nonviolent, okay. you know, just making statements and everything, and it got to the point where things started to surge. Um, you know, and you've got these two, I, I can't remember their names. You've got these other two, um, companions, uh, North, North, which is the girl. Yeah. And I can't remember the, the gentleman's name, the one that's the very nonviolent one. I, I can't put that. Jacob. Could is be. It? Could yeah. be. Okay. So those are kind of your two factions that have kind of teeter totter, kind of push you back. Yeah, it's forth, kind of like right? the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Right. Kind right. Of and who yeah. do I want to go with this nonviolent guy or this? Very hot possible yeah. companion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, um, as you know, I pushed forward in my march, still going very nonviolent. And uh, when my friends started to get shot, that's when I took a more uh, violent approach okay. toward the game. Yeah, I had kind of a similar yeah. thing. Felt like I, I don't know why I felt like I had to because you know I, I really wanted to do that nonviolent thing, but I just did not want an ending where my character would where I thought my character would die. I learned later that that's not always the case. Though. Yeah, I actually thought one thing that was kind of cool about Marcus, even though I found his plot arc was probably the most cliched. Yeah, um, I like the beginning of it though. I really like yeah, started the, the companionship out. with his you're right, you're uh, right. owner. I really like that. I did like, though, that as you went through the whether you want to be a violent or peaceful revolutionary, the public opinion would go up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you did something violent and the they would have these little newscasts. It was like a yeah, fake CNN, yeah. a fake Fox yeah. News. It was, yeah. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff we're glazing over but we sure. will go back and uh, I want to talk about certain key moments but Absolutely. It, uh, eventually all three characters converge on Jericho and I'm pretty sure this is consistent they have to destroy Jericho to prevent from being captured mm-hmm. and this is where things start getting out of hand playthroughs can end here <laughs> characters can die here yeah. and this is where I lost control of the story yeah um so everything starts to climax here but like i said this is where i could tell like i screwed up somewhere two of my characters are in trouble Mm -hmm. connor's kind of went to the bad side and now 
What ended up happening is Marcus, in my playthrough, my least favorite character, was the only one who got a not-so-bad ending. Mm. When you say I, Connor went to the bad side, what do you mean? Which side's that? Well, he went deviant <laughs> and kind of joined Marcus, okay. which is not what I wanted to do. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah so, that happened with me as well. Oh, okay. I was okay with it, though. Yeah. yeah. So let's go to the moment where both of us decided to go deviant, basically, as Connor, because you're playing as the good android cop Connor, mm -hmm. and so was I. There's a scene where you go to the guy's house, the guy who created... Dude, totally stolen from Ex Machina. Yes, right, right. Yeah. I think so. Uh, same even the test, even the idea of right, the test, the Turing that, test. that's brought up yes, in this game. Yes, So, as Connor, you go with Hank to this guy's house. He's not a part of the company anymore, but he's the one who invented it and started the company mm -hmm. who made the androids. So you go to him to just try and get some information about Jericho mm -hmm. and the the leaders of the, like, well, you try to find out, like, what is a deviant? Why are they deviant? You're just doing your investigation. But this is a pivotal scene for Connor because what the guy tells you is that if you kill his assistant by shooting her in the head, and the assistant is an android, he'll tell you whatever you want. One question, he'll answer mm -hmm. it. If you don't do it, then like he'll just kick you out or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so now I think this is the most pivotal part in the game. Well, I, here's I what's really funny. Do. I, don't I don't agree with you in a sense that I was doing Connor as the cold robotic android, the taskmaster. And it was just like, okay, put the gun in my hand and literally, no hesitation, pulled the trigger okay. as I was playing my first playthrough. Mm. But then what made me change my mind is that Hank was really... Pissed. He was mad and he really like chided Connor for doing this thing. And I was just like, wow, for my playthrough, I actually care more about the relationship between Connor and Hank mm -hmm. than I do about role-playing and keeping Connor in the character that I think he should be. Mm, so I actually reset that chapter and didn't shoot the assistant. Okay. I find it interesting too, and I wanted to talk about this. The assistant's name's Chloe. Okay. So what's kind of crazy about this game, and I think we should mention, is the startup menus in this game. Oh, Chloe, okay. Chloe, where you're going with this. Okay, so Chloe <laughs> is your startup menu. Yep. She talks to you. Throughout the game, you even go through a pop quiz with her. She asks yeah, you questions. It's really neat. strange as you get yeah. through, you further through the game. And then she is the AI that you have to shoot as you meet in this house. So I'm wondering, mm -hmm. maybe if being introduced to her and having a, a comfortability with her at the beginning of the game maybe feel a little more sympathetic. Mm -hmm. However, when you go to this guy's house, there's more than one Chloe. Yeah. There's Chloe's all over the yeah. house, you know? And so... Really, would shooting one be that big a deal? So there's just no, this, not at all. So there's just this conflict. <laughs> it, it is for me, man. I'm sensitive. I'm a sensitive, dude. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't do it. Even though I was playing Connor that way, I'm really happy with my decision that was not to shoot her. That that was it. Yeah, that was my limit, and that's why that scene for me was probably more. Um, powerful than maybe it was for you so this is this is a great point and this is one of the i feel like one of the central points of the game and one of the central points of all this literature in these movies that we're talking about is that mm -hmm. it's so hard to divorce your human emotions even when you know it's a freaking robot and think about this you know those boston dynamics youtube videos with the robots walking around and opening doors and 
<laughs> and everybody's like all amazed about them. Yeah. There's certain ones of those where they're demonstrating the stability of the robots. Mm-hmm. So they'll go up and kick it, right? And they'll say, look how it remains standing. Mm-hmm. Run up and kick it. But the thing is, the robot looks like a quadrupedal animal. It looks like a dog or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have fur, it doesn't have eyes, it doesn't have a face. But it bothers you. But it has four legs. It doesn't bother me in particular, but anybody who watches that video, even though you know it's a robot, clear as day, you run up and see a guy kick a thing, and you're like, oh, stop! You know what I mean? So this is why, this is that on a totally different level. You see this robot that looks like a beautiful woman that you've... Uh, like you said, you you as a human, as a player in the real world, have spent some time with in the menus. Yeah, yeah. And, and the game is asking you to put a bullet through her head. I understand. Isn't I, this sort of a reverse terrain test? Like, yeah. Just kinda. being tested in that way? In we're way, being tested. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And we are. We're, as a we're, player. As a player. Not only yeah. as a player, you're right, but you're right. she gives you a test. What are your feelings toward this? You know? Yeah. That was a cool moment. In yeah. The game. Yeah. And it bears mentioning that if you play straight through the game, you might not see that. I actually did back up because I put my PS4 in sleep mode. I'll just play through a whole game yeah. without going to the main menu or without doing it. Oh, okay, I got you. So, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so I'm I mean, glad it just kind of popped up on me. It was like, what is going on? Like, that was kind of freaky yeah. in a way, you know? Yeah. Like, the AI is taking over. <laughs> you know, feeling, you know? And I think you're supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to be caught off guard. Yeah. On the other hand, I think it's just like kind of a... It's almost a, like just a power of persuasion trick. You sure. know? It's like a one of those magic tricks or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, a powerful moment in the game for sure.
Any other scenes that you want to talk about? I thought the Zlatko scene was very powerful. Yeah, so Zlatko is one of the places where Kara and Alice hide out in. Mm -hmm. And he starts as, like, he's this guy who protects androids who are on the run. Mm Mm-hmm. And he tells you <laughs> that he's going to have to do some kind of procedure that will make you undetectable. I forget exactly what the words were, but yeah, he has right. to take out some kind of tracker. That's right. Made, right? That's it, yeah. So right off the bat, you start getting bad vibes and it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to go well. And you go, you descend into his basement and yeah. there's that, you know, going downward is symbolic of... Uh, descending into hell. Sure. So you end up on this kind of, in this kind of operating area and you have to fight your way out. And then there's, you're separated from Alice. There's a little bit of stealth. Mm-hmm. There's some cool sh- you can do with a robot bear. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a uh, very, um, a time like QTE event down there. Yeah, it's very can, intense. It's very intense. You can lose your life. And yeah. um, we mentioned that Krabby's wife was playing this game and she's not a gamer. Right. But she's playing it. She got into it and she lost Kara there. It was very, very upset about that. So that's pretty much the end of that playthrough. And, um, you know, Krabby probably chides us sometimes for playing games on the easier level yeah but i think in that instance he wished that his wife had been playing it on that you know easier mode so that she could have gotten the um uh, results she wanted so yeah yeah, it's a very pivotal scene there too yeah yeah i played the game on the easy mode i'm like it too yeah yeah yeah. because i don't i don't want to be challenged by a I'd rather make choice based game. Right. I want to yeah. make what I want to happen in the story. I want to make it happen rather than be like, oh, I didn't hit X quick enough. You know, yeah. like. Right. So I also played on easy. One of the moments earlier in the game that kind of annoyed me was when you're first in the city as Kara with Alice mm-hmm. and you're trying to find a place to sleep. Yes. So that part of the game annoyed me and it. After it was all over, I did kind of realize and I had to acknowledge that there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. So you're in the city. We should mention it's cold and rainy. Alice, you can tell, she, like she needs to be warmed up. She needs to be dried off. But you're now on the run. This is right after you kill your abuser and, mm-hmm. and, and run off. And you have options like... You can go into a laundromat and steal a guy's clothes because mm-hmm. he's asleep sitting there. Did that. Okay, so here's the thing. My role play mm-hmm. situation here was I'm with a child and I don't want to exhibit bad behavior in front of a child. Like stealing. Isn't that odd? Like, because we did the opposite thing. Yeah, and you have children and I don't. (laughs) So, but what's funny is I I eventually was just like, well, okay, this this scenario was set up as there's no right answer. Because everything you try to do, Alice says, I don't want to go in there. Or And there's one part where I thought, I don't want to steal this guy's laundry. I'm not even going to try it. But then I got frustrated and I was about to take his laundry and she goes... You can't do that. That's stealing. And I was like, oh, I know. So I was like, all right, forget it. But so anyway, long story short, we ended up sleeping in the car. But yeah, that was one of those situations where 
I was annoyed as it was happening, mm-hmm. but then at the end, looking back on it, I was like, okay, this is a kind of a no right answer scenario. Did you feel the same way there? Yeah, I did because okay. there's there's other options. There's an abandoned house that you can sleep into, and that's where yeah. I ended up staying the night. But to get there, you oh, I actually got chased off by that. Oh, you did, guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't get chased off by it. Oh, so mm-hmm. there's like a. In my playthrough, there's like a crazy deviant android. There is. Yep. In yeah. mine as well. Yep. Oh, okay. I did so, not get chased off by him. I got in there. Oh, so I just chose to say, okay, we're leaving because uh, that's one of the options. Right. And then I was like, okay, that house is, is no longer on the table. Okay. So uh, what did you do? You can like persuade him mm-hmm, or... Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he's deviant. He's a little whack. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, you go in there and you can spend the night and very you know, interesting the next day. But I have to say, to get in that house, you have to steal the wire cutters in the store. So you can steal the wire cutters in the store to get under the fence, mm-hmm. or you can steal money out of the register by getting the girl to create a distraction, steal money, and I guess stay in the hotel because you have to have money for the hotel oh, or sleep in the car. So there's your options. I definitely did steal the clothes. Okay. It's just one of those things where I guess as a parent, it's sort of like, yeah, I know that I'm doing something wrong, mm-hmm. but it's like, I feel like it's, I don't want to bring the movie Aladdin because it sounds weird, <laughs> but like him stealing an apple because he's hungry. Yeah. Right. I mean, he has to eat or he's not going to survive. I felt the same way about the jacket. She's not going to survive unless she's warm. Okay. You know, so I felt like these were necessary things and didn't feel bad about stealing the wire cutters, but I did not take money out of the register. So there was a little bit of a boundary. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything that would create a violent result. Okay. Yeah. So, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if there's any other like major glaring decisions I can think of. Do you have any other ones? No, I don't think so. There's, you know, some great scenes throughout this game and um, don't want to blow every decision, you know, for yeah, everybody. Yeah. So I think those are kind of the, the heavy hitters, I would say, in the games. Um, I did want to talk a minute about the choice presentation. Something we've complained about in Quantic Dream Games in the past was that the choices were like one word yeah, and they very weren't vague. obvious. They're very vague. And so yeah. I just wanted to kind of get with you. How did you feel about this game? Was it an improvement or do you still feel like there was a lot of vagueness. Well, refresh my memory. What did they do here? I know it was improved, but did they give you like the full dialogue or? No, it was just only like one word usually. It was more more of a vague thing. Yeah, it was pretty vague. I Um, felt like sometimes that I chose something that I didn't want to do that was a little more negative, especially when it uh, came to the relationship between Connor and Hank. I okay. felt like there were some options that weren't good. You know, with Hank, there's a backstory about his kid dying and the reason that he does not like androids. Yes. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to spoil that story and why, why that was there. But at the same time, there's a lot of options that I felt like, oh, can I do this? Like, should I talk about his kid? Should I not? Mm-hmm. And then there were just sort of these one-word choices that, you know, affect your outcome and your relationship with him that... I still ended up with a good relationship, but I felt like there were times where it could have gone really south. Okay. Well, I can say I feel like it was better, and I, I can remember, but only like once or twice that it happened where yeah. I would pick like assertive, and like what does that actually mean? And then you say something that's 
way too assertive you know what i mean so uh i think it happened to me but only like once or twice throughout the game i i I thought that the dialogue that i chose was you know what you're gonna get appropriate most of the time yeah exactly and i would say that's for me the same Okay. Most of the time okay. I did, but there are a few moments where I was like, dang, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have chosen that. So, Or there were things that were just kind of like, what's going to happen when I choose this? You know, I, I didn't know if it was going to be a positive or negative effect. Yeah. So I had to just kind of, you know, just crapshoot, yeah. you know, and doing it. So. All right. So let's talk about one of the plot elements that I have mixed feelings about. It's one of the major things in the game. Okay. And that is the fact that Alice, the little girl that you're with, is an android the whole time. And that's what I was referring to before. Like, how does that scene, okay, that cool. finding that yeah, out relate so, back to your decision yep. in killing that guy? So that's that what guy. I want to talk about. Yeah. So you go from a scenario of thinking you're with some dude and his daughter that he's abusing her and you as an android and you can almost say like okay if he beats up an android that's one thing he's not going to beat up on the kid at least in my playthrough not right, letting right, that right. happen but then you discover that essentially you murdered a guy for beating up on two robots <laughs> yeah. so i don't know that's, that's a good one but but let's shelve that for one second. I want to talk about how annoying to me that it was that Kara wouldn't acknowledge because um, Luther keeps trying to tell her. Yeah. And it's one of those things. And, and my... Uh, you, I kind of knew it. Well, that's the thing. I'm yeah. not even good at that kind of stuff. My wife will watch a movie and she'll be like, oh, no, I know what's yeah, yeah. going to happen like 10 minutes into right. it. Me, I'm not like that. I can never predict like plot twists or whatever. I'm pretty dull that way, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, not super sharp. When, or maybe I'm not, ju- I'm just not thinking about it. Right. Like I want, I'd rather just enjoy it than like predicting. But, but I was like, Oh, like right away you can kind of tell it. And the first yeah. time Luther says something like, there's something I need to tell you about Alice, to me it was quite obvious. Like, oh, she's an android too. Mm-hmm. You know, so that part was kind of annoying. And I understand the whole thing. Like, Kara absolutely has to know because they're both androids. Yeah. And chooses not to acknowledge it throughout the whole game. Or did I miss something? Did I justify no, no, that she I, doesn't I, I'm know? I'm with you on that. And the only thing that I can think of is maybe that's in her programming. Okay. To not know that that girl is an android. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. that was something that was programmed because we find out that the guy you shot used to be a good father mm. to her. And apparently he was married. He lost his wife. Mm. And this was their child together. You know, you get that sense that Maybe, you know, they couldn't have kids or something like that. So this yeah. was, you know, their child. And that's another, like, between the lines, yeah. like, contextual thing that just kind of makes you think, like, right. what would life be like in that situation? Right. Like, yeah. my wife and I don't have children and sure. we're too old to have children now. Would we have an android child? That's an interesting thought. You, you would, know? I know. Well, maybe. <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> kind of fun like yeah. you could get all the good good the good things about having someone who play video games. and all that stuff yeah just and then program. just turn them off when you're done with them <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah that's one of those like reading in between the lines just food for thought that this sure. game gives you mm-hmm. I like that a lot I do too so. and it feels a lot less forced than some of the um 
let's say, historical references that they right, down exactly. your throat throughout the game. So, yeah, I, I really do like that about this game. Uh, you know, it does make you think, but I, I agree with you. I just thought that that was just bad. Yeah. You know, I, I really did not like how that played out with Kara and okay. that not being a real child. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they were going for some shock factor or something like that, but I felt like it was, you know, unnecessary. But okay. maybe that's what they're trying to do is get that point across. Yeah. Know? But when I found out, I didn't automatically think about, oh, I killed a guy. I didn't think about that till later, you know. There you go. He's just an afterthought. A human being's life. Just right. an afterthought. It is, man. Yeah, you got played. Touring test failed. <laughs> I, drink, I, drink, I drink coffee like my heart black now. There you go. <laughs> well, speaking of which, like I said, in my playthrough when I got to Jericho is when things started to fall apart. Connor becomes an ally of Marcus, kind of becomes a deviant himself, and they send him to like the main headquarters of the where the androids are built. And because they say if he goes there and turns the whole factory full of androids deviant, then the androids will win. They'll they'll just win by sheer number. That was the other thing they didn't really explain either. Kind of the plot hole. Uh, Marcus just, just like touches, touches them. Yeah, deviant. You are free. Yeah. yeah, that almost had this weird like. I hate to say, like a Jesus-like thing, right? Like, just and uh, uh, maybe you're free. Maybe it's viral. Yeah, you know? yeah, something like that. Yeah, and that's the other thing too that is a kind of a plot hole in this game. These androids should be networked with each other. They shouldn't have to speak out loud to one one another. And I believe there are instances in the game where they communicate wirelessly, let's say, mm-hmm. and they can hear each other's thoughts. Why do they speak to each other at all, especially when they're not in front of humans? I noticed right in the beginning of the game where Marcus has to go buy the paint. You know what I mean? So think of these two androids. One's working in the store. One walks in to buy paint. Why should they speak to each other? It would just be some kind of... Even if it was like an NFC communication. But why be more human when there's no humans in the scene? Right. You know what I mean? Unless that's like, okay, we're going to, they were designed and programmed to act human at all times, sure. even if there's no humans around, because yeah. you never know. You never know who's watching or whatever. All right. I guess I'm persuaded that it would be kind of weird and off putting if. No, nah, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's almost like they say how self driving cars will kind of clear up traffic because the cars will yeah. know that the car in front of it is about to move and they'll just both move at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, because as humans, we wait for the car in front of us to move before we push the gas. Mm-hmm. With self-driving cars, they'll just all go at once because each one knows what all the other yeah. ones are doing. Yeah. So I thought they should have applied that logic a little bit more to these androids interacting with each other. And if you're just now picking up on the show, Sean really wants a <laughs> self-driving car, so get on that front. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, all right. Let's talk about our endings and and how mine was were just horrible. Okay. So for me, Connor was the second worst ending. He got to the factory with all the androids, and another Connor comes out with Hank mm-hmm. at gunpoint. Right. And he threatens to kill Hank if Connor frees these androids, thousands of them. It's mm-hmm. a really cool, like, powerful scene. Yeah. So I just decided basically to sacrifice Hank or 
I was kind of calling the other Connors bluff. I didn't know if he would actually shoot Hank based on mm-hmm. everything else we know mm-hmm. about the androids. Yeah. So I had Connor touch and free one of them, and it sets off a chain reaction. But then the other Connor did kill Hank right in front of me. So I lost my original Connor and Hank, but I freed the androids in the factory. So that was my bad ending for Connor. The ending for Connor in my game was in-game. Like, I didn't okay. even get an ending sequence for wow. him. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I'll just I'll just throw out there my Kara ending, and we can go into your ending because that's this is it. This is all I have to say. <laughs> Kara and Alice, unfortunately, went to, like, the robot concentration camp and got mm-hmm. recycled. And my ending of Kara is... Kara and Alice in a landfill, basically. Wow. It was sad. It, was, it really sucked because I, I did like Kara, despite the the major fault with that plot point of Alice being an android also. Did I, you surrender at Jericho? Was that what happened? Uh, yeah, because I was. it was a scene after... Luther gets killed. I lost Luther. You lost Luther. Sounds I did like too. a lot of other yeah, people did. Yeah. We don't even know if you can. I tried to reset right there, and I okay. couldn't. Yeah, you can save him. So, oh, okay. So there was a scene where I'm running out, and it's like the game gives you multiple opportunities to either play dead or fight back or whatever, but just mm-hmm. whatever confluence of the things that were happening, I ended up getting captured. And I do think you have to just surrender at a certain point, and that's what I, I ended up I played doing. dead. Okay. I and wish, that's how I got away. I kind of wish I had so played So I got dead. away. I had a suspicion as I was playing it, like I should play dead and not like fight back. And then I fought back so much that I had no choice but to surrender because I felt like I was going to get Alice killed if I kept mm. around, basically. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it was kind of a spray of bullets. I thought, well, if I play dead, maybe yeah. they'll think they got us. You Damn, know? I wish I'd have done that. Yeah, but again, the historical context of like a concentration camp may be a little heavy-handed, but that was actually one of the the instances where I did feel a little bit of emotion, and mm-hmm. I felt like a, a bit of terror and like the danger and the sadness that would come with that situation. Even though, and it, and they even took away the element of the androids looking like humans because they're all stripped down to that like silver skin like they weren't allowed to have their human skin in the concentration camp so they actually look like head to toe silver uh, robotic humanoid things stripped of their identity yeah 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 that's interesting yeah all right well my endings i also lost luther Mm -hmm. um we're talking about kara just now and what happened in my playthrough is we played dead we were able to escape got up to the Canadian border going through there where they, you know, it's funny, like everybody's trying to get to Canada, but there are no Android laws in Canada or it's kind of negative almost seeming, but they're scanning as you're going into the country, scanning to make sure. So the lady that you meet that's helping you cross the border, the um, pseudo Harriet Tubman character. Yes, right. You spot her in the crowd. You know, you go into the bathroom, you speak to her and everything, and you're kind of going through, and you see another android that you had helped out earlier. I guess I'd made a choice to help out a certain android in the game earlier, and he creates a distraction so that we're able to cross the border. And so we cross um, into Canada, and that's how that ends, just the two of them, you know, no Luther. 
which, you know, I, I, I was happy with that ending. I mean, it was pretty optimistic. So, um, you know, it was pretty good. Let's see. My other endings, uh, Marcus, public opinion wasn't super high, but high enough to where there was empathy from human beings and that change would probably be made. Several of the characters died. Uh, North did not die. So, you know, I got to pursue a relationship with her, (laughs) assumedly. So, you know, that was that was okay, I guess. Still probably my least favorite storyline in the game. I know a lot of people didn't like the, the Kara one, but I, I think that uh, the Marcus one is probably the weakest for me. I agree. Um, yeah. And then the final one would have been the Connor uh, storyline. And with Connor, I saved Hank, um, you know, kind of touch a robot. The deviant robots attacked the other Connor and saved us. Oh, and then Connor, okay. you know, was able to sort of help out. I can't remember. Was um, Connor on the Jericho before that happened? I think it was before, wasn't it? That he was yeah, on the Jericho because they send you. Because that, yeah, they yeah. send you to do that. There's even a scene where Marcus says there's only one person I know who would have access to get right, into it. Right. Where Connor says it himself, but it's made clear that Connor's the man for the job because he can actually get into that compound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... You know, if the robot apocalypse does come, I'm going to be a robot plastic surgeon because they all look okay. alike, so they're all going to look different. I feel like I could make a killing in that field. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embracing it more now. Good, good. Team robot, go. Uh, so I want to say to our listeners uh, that they should go on the forum and read people's commentary oh, because... Yeah. Uh, Great stuff. We had there. awesome, like I said, from a, our new member, Mr. Stubes, who did a great job, and Crab Master telling about his wife playing oh, the game. Yeah. Everybody kind of went through their own and too. went through hers as well. Yeah, so that was, that was fascinating. So now I, it makes me want to play the game again, and we usually talk about this in our final thoughts, but sure. I'll, I'll just say right now, I, I intend to go back, and if, if not play the whole thing again, to play at least from the part where I knew I was screwing up certain storylines mm, and just mm. trying to get something better, you know. Yeah. I think you can go chapter by chapter and revisit. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. So that's good that they put that in the game. So you don't have to go through yeah. the whole thing. And uh, But what about you? You think, uh, for now, are you good with what you got? Or you want to go tinker more with it? Or I'm good right now with what I got. Yeah. Um, however, the thing that would make me go and play the game immediately right now is if my wife wanted to do it. I'd yeah. love for her to play through this game. I think she would really enjoy it like uh, Grabby's wife did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really kind of connect with it because, you know, it's like a movie, but, you know, like an interactive movie is how we've described uh, David Cage's games for a while. But, uh, yeah, I think that would be the thing that would push me to play it recently but i think i could go back and play this one in a few years and enjoy it yeah cool you mentioned that it's kind of like a movie cinematic and i do want to touch real briefly uh, i didn't even log any of the actor or actresses names but yeah. they i think did a great job especially the yeah. guy who played yeah. connor he had this really great delivery that made mm-hmm. him even pam said on the on the forum, I wish the whole game was just about Connor because mm-hmm. his parts just really shine and mm-hmm. stand out from the other two. Yeah. And it's just because of his delivery is just so straight and the way he talks is robotic but yeah. not boring. Like I don't it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Like 
just the way he talks is amazing. Yeah, it's the dialogue so well is really good too. Acted. Right, so right. I think they did a good job with that. Um, and he has a way of like kind of being clever without being snarky, mm-hmm. I think is one of the things about Connor that I really liked. And then the woman who played Kara did a great job. Even the guy who played Marcus, like I said, in real life, he's a model. Like he's yeah. like acting maybe isn't his biggest forte. His good looks kind of are. Yeah. But he, he was fine. You yeah. know, yeah. like I didn't have any issues with. No, he was serviceable. So yeah, it was good. And I wonder how this game will age. You know, like when we went back and played Indigo Prophecy or Heavy Rain, like you could tell there's some jank there. Some of the acting is weird. The voice acting is weird. And that, mm-hmm. uh, that, is not just the acting. That's how the acting plays in with the gameplay mechanics and everything else. But I thought the presentation was really great here. The graphics are awesome. And uh, everything looks really sharp. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful PS4. game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very crisp. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I know this game has gotten some sort of mixed reviews, but um, I really enjoyed my time with it. Yeah. And I would definitely highly recommend it to anybody who, uh, you know, especially a fan of Quantic Dream games. I think it's interesting. Uh, I really like the sci-fi feel of it. And, uh, you know, it kind of uh, scratches my itch Yeah. as far as theme. Yeah, and I think mixed reviews are kind of par for the course with any Quantic Dream game. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think the consensus is this regarded as their best game so far. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. I would agree. I've only seen negative stuff about it. Really? Honestly. Okay. Um I do think it's their best game so far. And I, look, it's not free of plot holes. It's not free of like the annoying things that are tend to be in some of these games. But I think they did better in their execution than they have in the past. Like I said, we've talked about these games at length and where in some ways uh, Beyond Two Souls was kind of a step back from Heavy Rain gameplay wise. I think they converged a lot of the better things of both of those games into this game and then also added the cool things like the decision tree and the checkpointing and everything. Okay. So, I don't know. I really like this game. And I, I, we kind of naturally found ourselves in final thoughts here. But That's great. Um, I would recommend this game to people who enjoy these types of games. Again, if you've played Heavy Rain or you played Until Dawn or you like Telltale games, you know, these kind of things that that we talk about, these narrative adventures with quick time events in them. Yeah. And and these games tend to be, um, I would say, as opposed to like Telltale games, uh, maybe more thought-provoking for people that want things more up that alley. Okay. You know? That, that's my opinion anyway from what I've played I haven't played a whole lot of Telltale yeah, yeah enough so speaking of you know we have been talking about our thoughts on this game but I wanted to kind of get into how would we rate all four of the games that we've played by Quantic Dream I understand there's another game that was done by the studio but of course we haven't played that so we can't you know we don't yeah. have a frame of reference for that but I uh, just want to kind of get your thoughts on how you would rank these games and you know I'll give mine as well Yeah, so I'll count them down from worst to best. So I would say Fahrenheit, Beyond Two Souls, Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human. Okay. All right. I go a little bit different than what you did. And, you know, I'm trying to take in consideration, like, the time in which they were developed. True. So I was pretty hard on Fahrenheit the first time I played it, but I'm not going to be as hard on this time. I'm looking more at kind of, like, 
story and what interested me in okay. these games. Yeah, because um, the the pain in the ass stuff with the joystick yeah. will fade from your memory quicker than the story will. Right. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I would um, I would go Beyond Two Souls as last. Okay. Then Fahrenheit. Then Detroit. And then Heavy Rain. Oh, so you still like Heavy Rain more than this game. Yeah, and I think it's that um, detective and a film noir element to it that I really, really like. You know, I've mentioned before, my wife and I like love these kind of <laughs> yeah. crime shows and, you know, these watch these uh, documentaries on serial killers and stuff like that just because, I don't know, it, it sounds bad to say that kind of stuff's fascinating, but it it's fascinating like, the way the mind works. Yeah. think about that kind of stuff. So... Being a detective, I think, had I not ended up doing what I'm doing now, I would probably join the FBI at some point. Yeah. I think I would have really loved that. That would have been something good for me to do. And uh, that game pretty much scratches, you know, that itch. Um, and then, you know, Fahrenheit and, of course, Detroit have more of a sci-fi element to it, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not crazy about the kind of military element to Beyond Two Souls. Yeah. Though it's still a good game. It's still a really good game and worth playing. Yeah, and what, what gets to me about Beyond Two Souls is the like it has the least gameplay in it. You know what I mean? Like the, the framework of the gameplay is the most minimalistic in that game. Mm, yeah. And uh, that's why I kind of rank that a, a little bit lower. Dude, I'm thinking like maybe I'm making a mistake uh, ranking that game the lowest since uh, my man crush is in that game. Yeah, true. <laughs> Mr. Defoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would say if I was talking to somebody who had never played a Quantic Dream game, because the way I look at it, like, Until Dawn came out and everybody was like, oh, this is what Quantic Dream games should have been like. This game is so much better than all their stuff uh, that I think you could put Detroit become human against until dawn and that's why by that metric i think it's better than all of uh, quantic's previous efforts mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying yeah no, no yeah. like i i've told people Absolutely. uh if you like until dawn like i i work with a, a a young man who was like oh have you played until dawn well then you'll like to Detroit become human yeah so well and that's the thing too i think sometimes in recommending games as well it's probably easier to recommend the the newest, the shiniest, yes. uh, you know, yeah. the most uh, polished, if you will, game in the series, and then ask people to work their way back, especially when it's yeah. not the first game in a series, like say, like Far Cry or something that maybe builds on yeah. in in the other games. Um, so uh, so yeah, definitely, I think that Detroit would be a great one to start out with if you're interested in any Quantic Dream games and getting into that which uh, I highly recommend. <laughs> cool, man. All right, well, let's move on to our uh, announcements. Sure, man. You're talking about our June and July games? Yeah, well, June is yours, and that's already out in the world, but refresh everybody's memory. What are they playing as they listen to this uh, show? Yeah, an old classic series that came out originally on the PlayStation. We're jumping back to the Twisted Metal series, and we're playing Twisted Metal 2, on the PS1, and then also Twisted Metal Black, so another two for month for yeah, us. Awesome. And I believe Twisted Metal Black is on the PS2, PS3, and PS4 in various different collections or downloads. Uh, so yeah, it should be a great uh, month of driving the ice cream truck and uh, firing missiles at each other. So uh, 
really looking forward to that and seeing if this series, you know, just really holds up and see where it progressed on the PS2 because I've never played anything past the PS1 games myself. Cool. Me neither. I, I mean, I talked about this last month. I've dabbled with these games, but I've never mm-hmm. actually, like, tried to play them and, and get good at them or get far in them or whatever. Yeah. So this is going to be cool. And in the theme of having these, like, kind of summer games, easier yeah. games, quicker games... In July, we're going to do Super Mario Land 1 and 2 for the Game Boy, the yeah. original Game Boy. Awesome. Handheld love. Yep. And now, when you were in my game room, you saw one of my <laughs> favorite things in my collection, which is the Japanese version of Super Mario Land, complete in box. And to be honest with you, that's just a nice looking novelty because it's the same exact game as the American version. (laughs) So I'll probably be playing that on my GBASP. And also Super Mario Land 2, which is one of my favorite games of all time. I have a lot of nostalgia for. I can't wait Mm -hmm. to talk about that. And I'm probably going to play that fan ROM hack that I was talking about, the DX version, that full-color ROM hack that somebody did. Nice. And uh, I'll definitely dig deeper on the the creators there and the hackers and maybe we'll give them the proper credit for making such a cool cool rom hack there right on this was fun man i enjoyed this yeah we finally did it um yeah you've met some of the people on the forum you're the first person i've met yeah from the internet i'm trying to think internet friends yeah i don't think i've i've ever met one that it wasn't like right away, like meet somebody on the internet and then hang right. out. Uh, I've never been long term friends with somebody and then met them in <laughs> <Right>. real life. <laughs> so this has been really cool. And uh, I feel like oh, a Russian mail order bride. A what? A Russian mail order bride. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, this isn't the last time we're able to do this. Yeah, this was cool.
So, hey, since I'm do- since I did the intro, let's do the outro. Sure. So you got to follow me. I'm at RFG Playcast on Twitter, and you are. I'm at the Single Banana on Twitter. Right, and most importantly, don't forget to log on to RFGeneration.com to discuss the amazing games we play together and perhaps get mentioned on the show. Basketball. Bow. Better. Happier. More productive. Comfortable. Not drinking too much. Regular exercise at the gym. Three days a week. Getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries. At ease. Eating well. No more microwave dinners and saturated fats. A patient better driver. A safer car. Baby smiling in backseat. Sleeping well. No bad dreams. No paranoia. Careful to all animals. Never washing spiders done a plug hole. Keep in contact with old friends. Enjoy a drink now and then. We'll frequently check credit at Moral Bank. Hole in wall. Favors for favors. Fond but not in love. Charity standing orders. On Sundays reading Road Supermarket. No killing moths or putting boiling water on the hands. Car wash, also on Sundays. No longer afraid of the dark or midday shadows. Nothing so ridiculously teenage and desperate. Nothing so childish. At a better pace, slower and more calculated. No chance of escape. Now self-employed, concerned, but powerless. An empowered and informed member of society. Pragmatism, not idealism. Will not cry in public. Less chance of illness. Tires that grip in the wet. Shot of baby strapped in backseat. A good memory. Still cries at a good film. Still kisses with saliva. No longer empty and frantic. Like a cat. Tied to a stick. That's driven into. Frozen winter shit. The ability to laugh at weakness. Calm. Fitter. Healthier. And more productive. Okay. Antibiotics.